Hello everyone, welcome to the show, welcome back to uh, loyal listeners, welcome to new listeners. If you are listening, you're probably a friend or a family member, thanks for chilling out with us. Welcome to Bros, breakdowns, reviews, and other shit, other stuff if you have the kids listening. My name is Bobby, I'll be your host. With me is my brother, my best friend. Thank goodness diarrhea is not hereditary, bro. Otherwise, we would both be in trouble. <laughs> Dad, do us a favor. Get that shit checked out. I don't care how much coffee you drink. That shit is not normal. <laughs> There's only one bathroom in this house. Brandon, want to say what's up? What up? Uh, today's mathematics is the latest episode of the HBO series, The Last of Us. Uh, before we get into it, though, I want to make some corrections to our last episode. I said Linda Ronstadt is dead, bro. She's yeah, not. I know. I don't know why you said that. You sound so sure of yourself. <laughs> well, because cause mom recently watched a documentary about her. Huh? And I th- they only make documentaries about dead people. I mean. You sounded yeah. like you just, like, searched for it earlier that, like, that same day. No, but, even question but she's been like out of the spotlight because she's I forget what she has, but I think she has multiple multiple sclerosis or Parkinson. I, I shouldn't know this, but um, she wasn't like in the documentary at all because I, I didn't I didn't watch it, but mom was watching it and I just figured that she had passed. It was kind of a yeah, it was. Uh, but yeah, my bad. She, she she's alive and, and me and, uh, and well. So there you go. Um, another thing I wanted to mention real briefly before we get into it was, uh, like besides like the gamers coming, coming out against last week's episode, episode three, there were some other people who had took issue with, um, the show kind of, uh, deploying like the, what they, what's known online as like the barrier gaze trope in which, uh, uh, like this happens a lot, I guess with, with, with movies and film where, a gay character who's kind of tortured or traumatized by, you know, the tough upbringing that they have, that they always end up like being killed or being dead or, or, or something, or that that's sort of like a trope that's known online. And, um, some people take issue that this, even this show kind of fell into it or that episode kind of fell into it. Um, but yeah, I know we mentioned that it was like critically and universally acclaimed, but, Besides, like the 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 mad gamers about the gayness of it all, uh, there were uh, people who had different issues with it, and that was one of them. All right, like I said, today we're going to be talking about the newest episode of the HBO series, The Last of Us, titled "Please Hold to My Hand." Uh, kind of a weird wording, but that's part of the. It's named after the the song that's featured in the episode by Hank Williams, "Alone and Forsaken." Uh, here's a brief snippet of the of the song it goes alone and forsaken by fate and by man 
Oh Lord, if you hear me, please hold to my hand. Oh, please understand. So that's where the please hold to my hand, the, the way Williams wrote it, it's kind of, um, it's not necessarily like how we would talk, we would say it in casual conversation. I've heard a lot of people like call the episode, please hold on to my hand, but it's, it's incorrect, bro. And we're accurate here. We're, we, 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 we check facts, especially after last week. Except about Lindsay Ronstadt. <laughs> All right. Uh. This episode was written by Craig Mazin. We got a new director, Jeremy Webb. Yeah, I never heard of this guy either, just like last week. But uh, like Peter Hoare, he's also directed a bunch of Netflix joints, kind of the same ones that we mentioned uh, that uh, Peter Hoare directed. Lock and Key. I never heard. Of, I never. I mean, I've heard of that one, but I honestly couldn't tell you what it's about. Uh, Umbrella Academy, like we mentioned, Al- Altered Carbon. So the Punisher. I know. I knew. I know you were. I never finished it. Tuned into some of the, some seasons of The Punisher. Is it? It was two. Uh, I think it was two. I didn't even finish the first one. Yeah, I don't. I, I think never it got, got around to two. Yeah. Um. But the ones I did see, that they're they're good. They're yeah. Right. It, it, it it'll live forever in the meme, the John Barenthal meme when he's on the stand. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good one. No, no. Or what? What does he say? Wait, 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 wait. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Uh, oh, yeah, so this guy's uh, nominated, uh, Emmy-nominated for Downton Abbey, so he did a bunch of Downton Abbey. Um, so, yeah, I thought this was a well-directed episode. I learned that he's gonna, he also directed episode five, and it makes sense because this does seem like a two-part arc. That's uh, the first episode that ends with, uh, like, a cliffhanger. Yeah. Um, so it makes sense that he's going to get these two episodes. Um, overall impressions, I'll start, I thought it was pretty good, like, if I had to rank them, this would probably be my least favorite out of the four, that's not, and, uh, that's not any shade to this episode, the other ones have just been really, uh, stellar, in in my opinion, uh, the things that stood out to me in this one are, like, the production design, you, we talked about while we were watching it, I thought, like, the set looks great, like, you can't even tell where, the real photography ends and the, and the VFX begin on some of these sets. Like the gas station looked great. All the roads, all the abandoned roads. Um, I, when you saw all those abandoned tanks, I, I, I thought for a second that it might be like miniatures. I, I don't, I, I don't know if they do that anymore, but I've seen, I see these videos on Instagram. Sometimes there's these guys who will like mess around with miniatures and some of the shit looks, looks incredible. And I wonder if like some of those tanks, I, I just can't imagine all those tanks being, digitally created or actually real but well if they're miniatures they still have to digitally alter them right yeah uh i don't know i mean not as much i don't know it it looked pretty think i mean it was it great but it's you think they were real full-size tanks no, and stuff no way. also that was vfx yeah um the costuming was something that like i wanted to shout out like i thought the hunters the hunters of kathleen's group i thought they all looked pretty pretty uh like real true to life like the costuming uh the fight choreography we saw some cool fight choreography it was really entertaining it was probably the funniest episode very propulsive as far as action or uh or or, or at least in the beginning at least that those two action sequences after that it kind of kind of slows down but like i said the show looks like a million bucks um what about you bro how'd you feel about it like overall or just the beginning of the episode? No, just overall, like on the episode as a whole. 
the main thing I liked about it is that we finally got some like one-on-one conversations between Ellie and Joel and yeah that was the best part for me too like just the character development between them was was most interesting to me and then also their their whole journey like um, it was cool to see how they have um, like Joel talking about how the gas is like water Mm -hmm. they have to stop every now and then I liked the camping scene a lot too that was probably like my favorite scene we'll talk about that later but yeah like that was my biggest takeaway um, if anything, all the new stuff they introduced with, um, Kathleen, w- whatever, yeah, the Kathleen's group. I, I, did it even have a name? Like, did they have hunters? A, is what they were known as in the game. I know, but that I don't know. It, it's it's just weird because they they talk about how they overthrew Fedra, but they don't even have a at least I, that that I didn't recall. They didn't have like a name. Oh, and then, and then that made me think of the second game too, because there's there's a similar faction, not in the same area, but similar story of, of like somebody rising up, but they had they had an official name, you know, they had patches and stuff. Even the fireflies, that's what that's what I thought was kind of weird, the fact that, for one, they changed the city in the game. It was Pittsburgh, and they made this Kansas City, and then they added this whole new character with Kathleen. I mean, if anything, like you mentioned, like. It's hard to rate this episode because it just, it doesn't yeah at least the story because it doesn't feel complete yet yeah yeah good point so I mean but yeah if I'm talking if I were to point out one thing it was just the the chemistry between Bella Ramsey and Pedro that was on display in most of the scenes yeah this is more like, so than any other episode yeah so like this good. yeah they really bond and they really get to know each other and. Uh, this is the first. This is like the, this is probably like the most dialogue we see out of Pedro, or out of Joel. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He opened up a little bit. Nice to see it. Um. Yeah, like th- this episode felt like the opposite, like the antithesis of the last uh, long, long time. In that, that episode was all about like preserving love and all the all the goodness that of humanity, and this one's kind of the opposite, where it's a, about like the decay and the loss of uh, the loss of humanity and people sort of descending into savagery like i think you see that with kathleen like she probably i mean you you know she had a brother but one would presume she had a family maybe a husband or wife or maybe children she just seems sort of like people were referring to her as like a karen she just seems like a very domestic suburban type who kind of was forced into this position People were referring to her as a Karen. <laughs> yeah. No. Sorry, I'm I mean, calling yeah. you on that. Very, very. Uh, let me speak to your manager. Energy from her. Um, but you did you did you pick up on that, or is that me kind of reaching? I just felt like what the Karen thing. No, no, about like this episode kind of being like the opposite, showing what could happen in this world, showing the other side of what could happen in this in this world. Like like I said, with Bill and Frank, you see them preserving them preserving love. And even nurturing it in Bill where it wasn't there before. And in this episode, you see people sort of descending into, like I said, savagery and chaos. And just like the decay and collapse of like decency and and humanity, basically. Because all these people are sort of the hunters. And you learn a lot about Joel and what he did. Um, Sort of seems just like there's like the loss of innocence as well. It's kind of explored with 
Allie and the fact that Joel doesn't like the Joel finds it disturbing that she has to go through this as a kid and um I just felt like it was sort of like the opposite um of what we got in last episode. No, nah, honestly I wasn't really thinking of last episode like when I was watching this cuz I don't know. I I I had been mentioning in the last couple of weeks that I was starting to get a little worried that they're giving too many of the side characters um the the stage so to speak yeah but, the spotlight and i mean not that it wasn't great but i mean yeah like i was more focused on that and and honestly like not the more that i've had time to think about it last week's episode just feels like uh, an entirely different entity on all of on its own like it feels like it's its own little mini movie or like short. I don't know. It feels like it's like a movie taking place or like a whole yeah. another story taking place in this universe that just so happens to include Joel. You know, like because when you think about it, without that scene with them, you, it easily could have been its own like movie or it's from a whole other show. Yeah. You know, but I mean, I did mention last week how the the bookends of last week's episode. Like made it all come together, mm-hmm. in in relation to how Bill and Frank's story mirrors Joel and Ellie's. But yeah, I'm, I mean, we've we've talked about it at nauseum. Like this isn't, um, like it's it's interesting because most people you would assume most people that were there before the outbreak are probably dead. So Joel is like. Old older people in this world aren't as easy to come by, and and I, I don't know. I, I think it's interesting that for for everything else he's kind of left behind. Um, it's only when he's around, you know, like a daughterly presence that he kind of puts his guard down again. But other than that, he's he's been alive this long because he's adopted that mentality of a survivor. But yeah, like I mean. I mean, it's it's pretty spelled out for you, you know. It's not, it's like, it's not heavy-handed, but I mean, it, some parts in this episode it was heavy-handed because you could skip saying "your kid, your kid." Yeah, your a lot kid, of di- a lot of clunky know. dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> huh? I thought there was a lot of clunky dialogue. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then some of the 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 changes they made from certain scenes in the game kind of bothered me, just because they were. They were just, and I hate to be that guy, but they were just better executed in the game. And and then certain scenes that were, like, literally picked verbatim from the game, I was like, you really could have done without that. Like, like the whole part where she finds the gay magazine, like... Um, Bearskin. Yeah. Like, the, <laughs> she she was great, and don't get me wrong, but I don't know. I, I felt like that applied more to the game because they didn't go into detail with his sexuality, you know, it was just like briefly, super briefly hinted at. So like, didn't I, I didn't think there. it was necessary because we just had a whole episode exploring his sexuality. And then they kind of make a joke out of it in a way. I mean, Belle Ramsey was, she acted it for, as best she could. I just feel like that didn't need to be there. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Especially because it was literally picked verbatim from the game. Yeah. The only reason it's there is to like nod to the game. Yeah. And that's not, I don't know, I wonder if people are going to get sick of that. It sounds like you are. Like, yeah. But, and it's it's interesting, considering you're a gamer, you would think that you would 
appreciate that more. I mean, they're putting it there, you know, specifically for for you, for people like you who played the game. Yeah. I guess the reason it bothered me is because they include that, but... And they include the song. The song, the Hank Williams song is in the game. Yeah, a lot of that's picked up line from line, too. Like, he says, yeah. before my time... Um, I saw it side by side when he even says like before my time. Uh, when she says you're gonna get all nostalgic with this one too, like those are like picked up line for line. But yeah, uh, I, I don't remember that. But yeah, yeah, I feel you. But I guess what, it bothered me more is because when they first in the game when they first arrive in, and I know it's Pittsburgh and Kansas City, whatever. When they first arrive in the same area as in, or, and they arrive at this story, at this point in the story in the game, I, I just felt like it, it's such a iconic part of the game. It, it's a cinematic, so you don't play through most of it. But when they arrive, he sees the the guy faking um, that he's hurt, and he in the game he like he doesn't budge or hesitate at all, and he's almost like mad. And and she's like, "Are we gonna help him?" Like, "Holy shit!" Like, "What's going on?" And then he's just like, "He ain't even hurt like that." And he fucking just like runs him, runs him over. Damn. And it, and then they crash into the store. And then they immediately attack them like like hand to hand combat. I thought that would have been nice to see too, because it did feel kind of clunky with the action. It's like they crash into the house, and, and that's what's cool about the game is is there's an emphasis on on guns being a little more rare. So like dudes will just run at you with a, a a bat or like some kind of log or something, or a knife, you, you know. Like so, it was weird for them to like yeah. Compared to the game, I just thought the game executed that part way better, and that's what made the the whole game magazine part kind of bother me even more because it's like you're you're lifting this dumb part from the game when the game had this perfectly executed action scene that you could have made even better with a Hollywood budget, but whatever. No, yeah, the yeah. I did notice that, that. You should watch the scene because I I guarantee you you'll you'll think it's way better. I did notice that they were, uh, you know, wasting a lot of ammo in that scene, <laughs> like both sides. Yeah. And I was like, huh. So that that did stick out to me, um, and it felt like a little bit like, oh, we got the budget, uh, like this is more compelling than a hand to hand fight, or maybe it's easier to do. It's probably easier to do. Plus, they have a hand to hand fight later, so. I'm not too mad at that, but I did think it it was a little bit in- incredulous that, that they would waste that much ammo. And the action was just clunky. Like, in the game, it it, it literally... That scene feels most like a movie in the game. Mm. I mean, most of... Uh, a lot of scenes in the game feel like a movie, but that scene especially is, like, early on in the game, a very high, like, climatic moment. Because mm. it's the first time they really... In, um, encounter dangerous humans. Yeah. All right. And I felt like with this, it was just a little clunky. I mean, maybe there is some um, story elements like to, like behind it. You know, this is a more military influence, like revolution revolution influenced um, group. And in the game, they don't they don't have a name or a face really, and they're just kind of fucking anyone up who comes into town. But. Yeah, like, it, it just, it felt a little clunky, like, the action, like, all, like they're all get, like, as soon as they go into the, they crash into the store, 
and they're just shooting at each other for a while. It, it, it didn't it didn't feel it didn't feel like it flew, flowed as well as it does in the game. No, yeah, I feel you. Okay, you didn't yeah. like the you didn't like that. Yeah. Um. No, going back. It's not that I didn't like it. I just feel like. No, yeah, I get it. Th- that's the point I'm making. Like, if you're gonna lift certain things from the game, that was probably the best one of the best examples of just do it exactly how the game did it. Yeah. And it's weird to see them choose other scenes instead of it. I mean, I get it. There's probably budget concerns and stuff, but it's like compared to everything else. I mean, I don't think it would have been that difficult, but yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, what I was basically trying to say was like last week's episode kind of made this week's episode seem even more tragic and, and because of what could have happened, what happened for some people, what maybe could have happened for these people if they were in different circumstances you know they show last week episode showed you what could what remained possible under certain circumstances like which was a beautiful life right uh and then this is what happened to these people and there's not much di- there like what separates Kathleen from Bill they probably no one person isn't more ruthless or evil than the other if if things were normal you know it's just that for some people they got dealt a different hand at, 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 at after the outbreak happened, and I think it was just interesting to see these two episodes back to back because it just shows you like polar opposite possibilities. Like in a different universe, maybe Bill would have been like the leader of one of these groups if he was in a different city, or at least part of one of these groups. Or Kathleen maybe would have lived a different life if she was um, in a different part of the world or a different part of the country. Um, so yeah, I think that, and you, we talked about this last week that the episode kind of strengthened and 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 made Joel and Allie's mission even more important um, because it just shows you what can still, what's still possible, and that 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 love can like persevere. You know, I know it sounds corny, but that's basically what the message was from last week, and it kind of made, and I think it it motivated Allie and it motivated Joel to keep going. And so that's why it's there. I agree that it feels like its own little movie, but it did service the overall story in a big way. Yeah, I mean, a connection I could probably pull that I just thought of is, especially given this episode's emphasis on kids being born post-outbreak. Yeah, it's a big theme of the episode is like childhood, youth, the loss of innocence. Yeah. Yeah, but, but, but when we hear that that term loss of innocence, it's like, that's more catered to you know growing up like this is a completely different world oh, yeah, like good like, point. like the, these kids are basically living on, like on another planet yeah compared. they never even had a shot at yeah. innocence basically yeah like the world's completely these they're they're living in hell essentially mm-hmm. and i feel like especially considering bill and frank last week they had the luxury of being born before you know having or living most of their youthful days in a civilized world i mean granted bill was happy when everyone left but frank um he understood the importance of paying attention to things because he grew up in the previous or the world you know he had that luxury of growing up in a civil in a civilization and and so that's what's interesting that juxtaposed to this episode is uh, what would children be like in a you know, in a civilization that is essentially mirrors like hell on earth. Yeah. 
but the longing like Allie's aware of what was before and she has like a longing for it i think that's what drew her to like the joke book and that's what why she's so interested about in planes because she's probably heard about what life was like before it's been like it's been like it's like mystical and it's almost like a myth uh so like it's not like they have no idea what it was like if anything like her the fact that she never had it yeah that's sad but the fact that or if you think about how something is painted towards painted to you like an, an experience is described or or articulated in like a book or a piece of art it's always a little bit more pleasant or polished or beautiful than it was in actual real life so if anything like her ideas of life before is better than it may have actually have been like you know yeah, like, like paradise so yeah. she, she has like an understanding of that and i think she longs for it and that's where like her uh, like I said, like her wanting to tell jokes and asking asking about what it was like to drive around and where did people go and things like that. But um, as far as like returning to like Joel and Allie's main storyline, I, I I felt that was pretty seamless and it and I think it's because last week's episode was was like like we mentioned book ended with them, so it didn't feel like we were like. Oh, I didn't feel disoriented or anything like that. It felt like it was pretty seamless. So that, I think that was smart of them to spend a, a pretty good amount of time with Joel and Allie in, in long, long time. Um, but yeah, before we get into the breakdown, a couple of like themes that I think this episode explores is like like we just talked about childhood and youth. Like uh, you see, like between Brian, uh, like Brian calling out for his mom, the superhero mask, even the title of the episode, please hold to my hand. It makes me think about children like holding their parents hand, um, you know, things like that guidance. Like these are all things that I see kind of like Joel showing Allie how to handle the gun. This is just something whenever I watch an episode of, of, of something, I try to think what's like the overall theme if there is one it's not always there but for this one it seemed pretty um apparent that it's about like childhood or youth or um guidance and and the loss of that and then as far as like Kathleen and the hunters like the loss of human decency and like descending into this kind of savage uh society um so we'll get into the episode breakdown. The episode opens up with Allie, like, in the mirror pointing a gun. She makes, like, these pew-pew sounds. So, again, it's, like, very childlike. And, like, that just kind of uh, endorses, like, the whole, like, theme of the episode of childhood. Like, she's still a kid. Like, she's making these little kid noises. Like, pew-pew is a very, like, that's not what guns sound like, right? Like, that's something. I wonder where she even got that from, you know? Um, I guess, like, when they're whisking by your ear, they sound like that. That's not what they sound coming. That's not what, like what a bullet sounds like coming out of a barrel. So, um, and she's kind of imagining how she sees herself as like this badass. You mentioned right away, oh, tr- like it's very Travis Bickle esque taxi driver. But then she knows how to load the clip. So, like that was interesting. Like this isn't her first time. Like seems like she knows how to handle this, like a gun. She's very mesmerized by it. Like she smells it. I thought that was an interesting touch. Um. I, I get the sense that she's a little more worldly and formidable in the show than in the game. Or, or is that accurate? Or did it, if, like when I watch you play, like she just seems more innocent and and like childlike in the game than she is here. 
Uh, I, I don't know. I feel like in the game she carries herself pretty well. Like yeah. she'll fight with you pretty early on in the game. Like she. No, I know she's feisty, but uh... no, like she'll fight. Like she'll fight back. Like she'll shoot back at your enemies uh, and shit. All right, cool. But um, yeah, I feel like they're taking more of the she's just a kid route route with the show in the game. Like yeah, she's super childlike, but she fucking she doesn't hit like she only really hesitates like once or twice. Yeah. Whereas here they kind of linger on the fact that she feels guilty, and then I I, I don't know like uh, that's kind of a a complaint too because. Last episode, when she had no mercy, or not, like, it, it just seems like the idea of violence to her, it, it, it's all circumstantial. If, it, if it's a infected, she doesn't, like, she didn't really hesitate, she was fascinated by it when she stabbed it in the head, but then she, in another earlier episode, she did mention, like, oh, they were people once, and then now when it comes to real people, now she's feeling more guilty, so I guess... If anything, they're trying to convey her overall confusion. Like, it just depends, I guess. Yeah. The fact that she's a kid has to do with that as well. Like, some days she probably is in in more of a killing mood than she is in others. You know, Mm. I don't know. Yeah, I just thought this scene was was interesting. It kind of is foreshadowing what's to happen later. She's fantasizing about being heroic and being being violent. And then she actually... And then, you know, it's kind of like, be careful what you wish for. Because that comes to pass... And then she's, and then you got to deal with the fallout. That's not something you think about when you're like fantasizing as a kid or playing cowboys and Indians and all that. Like that, there is a there is a, a like a psychological effect that happens after you cause harm to someone. Um, so I think that that was that. That's why that scene's there for for to just show what's going to happen later and how how it isn't what it isn't what you imagine basically. And she comes out of the gas station. You see that that Joel siphoning gas because uh, it turns to water. If 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 it uh, if it go, what, what, like there's some science shit here going on that I don't really fully understand. But if gas is in a tank for too long, it's no good. Or was he talking about the gank the t- the gas in his car in the S10? I mean, everything's corroded around them, so just making that assumption. Um, it would probably get in, get into and affect the gas yeah. as well. And he talks about like going ten to twelve hours on one tank. So it sounds like Joel, Joel like to go on some road trips. Uh, like uh, uh, I wonder where where, but he must have had a fuel efficient car. It's in two thousand three. Yeah, that's right. When gas like spiked, I remember that I was driving and that was a motherfucker. And I thought it was funny. She asked like, "Oh, well, where did you go?" And he's like, Pre- "Pretty much nowhere." <laughs> I thought that was funny, and it just shows you that, just reminds you that you really don't know what you have until it's gone. You know, like now after he can't do what he what what he can't do these normal things, he kind of is kind of reminiscing on them in a different way, or or uh, it's kind of like how you remember things in a in a in a shinier light than they actually were. Like he's like talking, oh, like the good old days. He says back in the day, like back in the day, good old days, basically, but. Um, it didn't seem like he was like living his best life back then, you know. I don't know. He, she asked how the siphon works because pressure. That's basically his answer. <laughs> I like I like that they keep showing Joel be fallible. Like he's kind of a fuck up. Like we've seen him fuck up a couple times, big and small. Like since episode one, 
when they're leaving the QZ, that was like the first really big fuck up. And then he kind of fucked up when the affected, infected attacked them. Tess had to bail them out of that one. You're right. He stepped on the, he, uh, he made noise. I forget if he steps on glass or if he made noise. Stepped on glass. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I guess, I, I guess that kind of plays into like video game because you as a video game care at, at playing video games, you're constantly fucking up, you know? Um, and having like start over, right? So I feel like that's kind of, I don't know if it's intentional or not, but but it he's grounds not a him more too. Yeah. Because when if you think about it, like for as realistic as the game is, like it is not realistic that a fifty-six-year-old man could be taking out a wave of like ten enemies, and let alone like because when I was playing recently, I was like, like yeah, like Joel in the story in the show is not gonna be doing this shit because. Like you'll come across like eight, ten infected at once, and you're just—I mean, it's—it's it's hard, you know. It's not mm. easy, but like, yeah, like they're—they're they're taking a more cinematic approach with it, and they're being more realistic with it. Yeah, he—he he doesn't have all the answers, basically. Yeah. I like that. Um, kind of a, he's kind of, kind of a goof sometimes. <laughs> so just so Ali pulls out this joke book, uh, which is I know is not from the game, um. You called it. You were kind of. It seemed like you were happy to see that that book. You a fan? Yeah, you a fan of Will Will Livingston, bro? Probably not a real person, but not it. it I, that goes back to what I was saying um, earlier. Like that's something from the game that it does get. Like it adds to their character in in this as well. You know, it's kind of a. It's something that's more necessary than that than that scene I was talking about earlier. Yeah, and it brings it literally brings levity. Yeah. Yeah, so that that was good to see too. You know, it wasn't it, it it fulfilled a bigger purpose than just like oh that was in the game. I mean, don't get me wrong, it was cool, but had they not executed it well or it didn't feel natural, well, it's used there to bond dumb. the two of them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it it provides some sort of narrative function to this uh to this to the adaptation. You know, it's there to kind of bond the bond the two of them. I liked his response to her first joke. He wasn't a fan of the algebra joke. Uh, um, what did what did the mermaid? Yeah, yeah. what did the mermaid wear to math class or something? He just his response is no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was funny. Uh, then they hit the road. Um, she says like, "Oh, it must have been a huge truck. It's because all the cars are like plowed out of the way." I'm guessing the government or Fedra, whoever came through there, plowing plowing the plowing the road just to make way. Um, and he says that, you know, he kind of gives her a little history lesson on like the tanks and she says, Oh, I want to see one and this and that. Um, so again, you're just reminded that she, she hasn't seen any of this. Like this is also new to her and it's so captivated. She's so captivated by all this. Um, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting. She seems like she's seen some stuff, but in actuality, she hasn't really seen much of anything. She, she pulls out the Hank Williams tape, uh, tape. This makes you all nostalgic, she says. I thought that was funny. Um, and it sure does, bro. Because he plays that song and oh man, you know the oh man hits again. Oh man. that That's how you know the n- nostalgic, the nostalgia hits. This song is Hank Williams and we mentioned it already at the top, Alone and Forsaken. Before before Joel's time, but a fan nevertheless. Music music seems to play like a pretty big role in every... In, in the, Huge. In, in the... But like needle drop music, right? Is that is that how it is in the game? I'm just gonna tell you, it's not even a spoiler. 
and it's probably gonna get mentioned pretty soon anyways um I mean you could tell a little bit just from by his demeanor and whatnot, but yeah, in the game you know i'm I'm pr- certain they're gonna carry it over in the game. He mentions uh, playing guitar. Oh yeah, and, and she asks him like, "What do you, what did you want to be when you're older? Like like when you like, when you were a kid, like what did you want to be?" And he he kind of the way he says it, so good. It's a testament to um, Troy Baker. The, yeah, Troy Baker's voice acting. He's like, ah, oh, like a singer, and she's like, "Really?" And she's like, "Sing something for me." And he's like, "No, no, no." He's like, gets all shy about it. <laughs> But and then he make he later makes a promise to her like I'll teach you how to play guitar. Oh. So it's like it's it's really cool. Oh well, yeah, I like yeah. it. I like. I mean, I I saw clips going around of Allie playing the guitar too. Yeah. Maybe that's from part two or something. But um, yeah, he teaches her. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I I I like that. Um, Joel's like a yeah. I was getting that impression that he's like more than just a fan. Maybe he's a musician or wanted to be, or at least plays the guitar. You know, all these guys know how to pick up a guitar. Very Walker from Yellowstone type of. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and and Hank, an artist like Hank Williams is very much like a musician's type of cup of tea. Yeah, yeah. You know, like a casual would be like, oh well, I like um. Uh, I see. I don't even know country singers, but like. There's like a generic answer, and generally speaking, when someone says Hank Williams, they're probably you know kind of flexing on their music knowledge. Mm, yeah, he's kind of a deeper cut. You're saying? Yeah. Yeah. So that's where they. That's where she finds Bill's magazine, The Men of the Den, Bearskin. Is that what it's called in the in the game? That's funny. Hmm. Huh? The what? The Men of the Den, Bearskin. That was the title of the magazine. Oh no! It was it was called something else in the game. Hmm. Yeah, this is a good, the nice touch, and you can only see the tight, like the title of the magazine if you like pause it and zoom. It. Like I had to pause it and really look because I wanted to see what what does it say? Because I thought it just said bay skin, but it's bear skin. Um, why 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 does Bill have this in the car? I thought that was it. Where I oh I guess he lived with his mom, so maybe <laughs> that's why. But I was like, who keeps this shit in their car, bro? That's kind of that's kind of maniac That's status. what I'm saying. Like it doesn't. It, it's such a stupid scene. Yeah. They didn't need it in the game. It, I guess, it, in its own, in its 2013 logic way, it was necessary because in the game, Bill's, um, Bill's yeah, already we, we dead. Already, we already went over this, but go ahead. Yeah, like it's, it's just, yeah, whatever. I hate that. Scene. <laughs> go ahead. Um, you ever seen one of these in real life, bro? Uh, nudie mag? No. Not not a gay one. I'm saying any any. No, oh, I know you meant no. Uh, it's before. Dang, it's before you're 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 youngin', bro. I, I've I uh first time I think I ever saw anything like pornographic was in a magazine. That just shows you how old I am. The twins down the street had had a mag. Uh, <laughs> no, definitely haven't. And it was their those. older brothers. I don't know if you remember their older brother. No, not really. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's funny. I just it just. Put that, I mean, in a store, sure, you know, yeah, yeah, but I've stores. never like opened one yeah. in there. Um, but neither I think that's like the only one I had ever seen, and didn't didn't do much for me. I felt weird looking at it <laughs> because we would have to like uh, he had it hidden in like the backyard. The twins had it like <laughs> hidden in like the backyard under like rock. So it was dirty. It had all kinds of dirt on it and like grass on it. It was filthy. 
wasn't it wasn't sticky, but it was just like full of dirt because those fools kept it like buried underground. Their mom. Pro- well, that answers your question. That's why he kept it in the car. <laughs> yeah. Had a nice hiding spot. Yeah. Uh, we get a little driving montage played with Hank Williams' song playing over it. This was a I thought this was a really cool little sequence because you get to see the world. I thought the the production design was stellar. There's one this one shot that kind of made me kind of took my breath away when they're on the highway and you see all the grass growing between the concrete and everything is kind of just decrepit and and condemned and I was like how do they do this this is crazy like it looks so real I like when you can notice the the difference in quality between the trailer and the final product too because in the trailer it did, I mean it didn't look terrible but it looked way better mm-hmm. here and then they turn like he needs to you know it's time to get he's getting a little sleepy so he turns off the road uh, I saw a side by side on Instagram of um, this scene cut with the interstellar cornfield scene, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I wonder if they took inspiration from that where he turned where uh, McConaughey and, and interstellar turns into the cornfield, and it looks just like it. Like I like that's one of my favorite scenes in Interstellar. Um, what are you talking about when he turns to, to go? Um, they're, they're chasing set up the that, camping spot. Yeah, they're chasing that drone. Or there? No, no, no. I'm talking about in this show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When he pulls over to take a nap. Yeah, yeah. When they pull over to sleep to camp. Oh, yeah, that that is a nice connection. Yeah. I didn't think about that. And then they they have some dinner. Some Chef Boyardee. You, you ever you ever mess with that, bro? Maybe. I mean, but Spaghettios. I I, I remember Spaghettios. So. Is that a is that a ripoff or is that? I think I remember those too. Yeah, we used to have Spaghettios, yeah. but. Chef Boyardee and Joel's a fan. He's like, yeah, it is. It is pretty. I think good. Chef Boyardee were more expensive than Spaghetti. Yeah, I think Spaghetti was like a lesser tier. Boyardee yeah. was like that primo shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Ali, Ali asked if they could start a fire and it's freezing, and and she's like, no, okay. And he's like, why? Why am I gonna say no? And she says, because infected will spot the smoke. And he's like, no, it's people. So right away, you, or the show sort of establishes the 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 enemy or the threat in this episode it's not going to be the infected we don't even see any infected in this episode it's people um like you said in an earlier episode in an earlier episode that man is the most dangerous game right yeah we haven't seen infected in two weeks yeah i mean yeah last week i guess in the opening i mean when, i mean technically in the uh long long time when ali killed that one ali killed oh yeah yeah but we haven't seen like them attacking or like Mm-mm. very um, light fighting. Yeah, very light. I've seen no inf- infected fighting. Yeah, um, oh, I'm drawing a blank on his name. What's his name? That, Tommy. That no, no, no. That conservative, that conservative pundit Ben Piro? Ben Shapiro. He Fuck about him. He was in the headlines because he was saying that that the primary problem with long long time i know we keep talking about long long time uh was that it's a zombie show and there's no zombies and he yeah he had a fat rant on like facebook or something i saw someone screen yeah that's one yeah and i was like why the like it shows you how much of a casual he is and and not to be like that snobby nerd but i mean it's bench repair fuck that fool but uh many of the creators and fans behind this show they always specify like these aren't zombies they're infected yeah they're not zombies they're not undead the virus is keeping them alive. Mm. Oh, and, yeah. and most zombies have their own rules, too. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just be, we're being stupid, but like that fool. Yeah. yeah. They're not even zombies. So if he was really paying attention to the show, 
you would know it's not yeah, a zombie his, show. His argument falls apart on that uh, premise around yeah. that fact and, and alone. Then, like when he was talking like that, it made me think of like, it's like, dude, just go fucking watch The Walking Dead. Like, goddamn, <laughs> goddamn, th- twelve years of that shit. You can watch that instead of yeah. Uh, her sleeping bag smells good. It was Frank's. Uh, I thought that was, that was a nice test. We still get. Frank remains like there's his spirit remains you know like the, we talk about that sometimes with people that pass away is like they're still here in one way or another you know whether through memory or something like sometimes our, their memory affects us and can shift our whole mood our whole day basically and that's how I think people live on is through memory and through things like this I thought that was nice uh, here we learn that Joel has bad hearing like she has to like call him twice I thought that was, um, you know, it, it pays off later again, but it's from shooting. It's not from getting shot at. It's from shooting. So he has bad hearing on his right side. So that's kind of like a checkoff's gun of like, okay, keep remember this. Like we're watching Poker Face, and I feel like everything is there intentionally. And I felt like that was there, and and it, and it is. It pays off again later. We get the scarecrow joke, and I thought that was funny because Joel calls it out right away. Uh, he was outstanding in his field. We get a nice shot of the stars. I know this kind of made you remember one of your road trips. There is something like magical about like seeing like the full night sky, a clear night sky uh, with stars. And uh, it doesn't get old, bro. I go out the backyard sometimes and I look up and it's just incredible to think. And it just gives you a, a perspective. It like rebalances my perspective every time of like, how big everything is yet, how small we are and all of that. And I just wonder what Allie was going through. It seems like she hasn't, that may have been her first time really seeing the sky that way, you know? It, it reinforces that thematic element of, of nature reigning supreme again, mm-hmm. you know, without civilization, you know, without millions of streets, lights and um, light po- uh, pollution in the air from neighborhoods. You can get a view like that uh, virtually anywhere in this world but you know in the world we live in you gotta go to dark ass camping spot to get that a couple hours away but yeah it's I, I like the way that that scene um fit in with the whole nature thematic element of the game yeah the show isn't afraid to like stop for a moment and remind you of, of these little things and i like that uh this was like one of my favorite shots of the episode you see that you you see that Joel stood watch like all night or, or presumably he stood watch like all night. It was a really cool looking shot. I know we we got our TV calibrated really, really good. So for other people, they might not agree or may not have. Uh, it is a pretty dark scene, but that was one of my favorite shots. Um, we get to the next morning. Cough, the, the, the sound of the coffee gurgling kind of awakes Allie and she's like what the fuck is that what, what is it with kids beef with coffee they just think it's like the most the grossest thing ever wait 10 years and it's like you can't go a day without it I think it's it's, it's, it's interesting oh yeah I, I, it's such a random memory but I think about it every quite often for how random of a memory it is I remember, yeah, like when you're young, coffee is just like a gross thing that you, you don't understand why your parents drink it. But I remember I had a classmate at school. It was a white girl, white blonde girl. And she would brag about like drinking it. <laughs> and she's like, I drink it. Like, I drink it. You guys are, you guys don't like it? I guess she was ahead of the, of the curve or something because 
that was years before I mean, all the st- Starbucks uh, girls came out the woodworks. So she, she was, yeah, I just always remember that. I'm thinking. What grade were you in? This is like elementary school, what dude. Like hell? early, like probably like second grade or something. And I remember we'd all trip on trip out on her because we're like, "Don't you know it turns to grow?" She's like, "No, it doesn't." I think that's a myth. I don't know. Yeah, that's why she knew that. Oh, she's like, shit. "No, it doesn't." She's like, "My parents let me drink it." She'd like to say it to flex on people. She, like, she's probably CEO somewhere now. <laughs> maybe I don't know. Um, burnt shit. She says smells like burnt shit, but uh, I don't know. But uh, nothing telegraphs to an audience that a character is like grizzled or manly or tough than. Then showing him drink black coffee, that he takes his coffee black, bro. There's no other way to show that someone is with the shits. No, I think it's usually whiskey. Well, that too. Black coffee and... Or alcohol, beer. Whiskey neat. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Or like some kind of fancy drink if you want to be sophisticated. Um, Beer or hardcore liquor if you want to look like an alcoholic or... uh, uh, blue collar fun guy to be around at least those are d- definite tropes yeah. i think and that's another thing from the game too yeah and i like i like to see these little easter eggs of what that he drinks black coffee well there's a scene where because she, she asks him questions all throughout I'm, I'm pretty sure it's in this part of the game too this section of the game she's just asking him questions out of curiosity and she's like what's one thing you miss and and it's right when you pull into like an a uh, an abandoned former coffee shop and like you see a like an old ass broken coffee maker, and it's and then you press the button, and then accuse the conversation. Mm. And she's like, "What do you miss most?" And he he was like, "Honestly, like coffee." And she's like, "What really?" And she already knew what it was. Mm. And then he talks about like like um like going to coffee shops and you'd have to wait long and and fucking that it'd be overpriced and stuff. That was funny to see. <laughs> Yeah, it, it is a trope. The black coffee thing is a trope. But there is one time that I remember that this trope was turned on its head in Pulp Fiction. I don't know if you remember, but uh, the wolf played by Harvey Keitel when he comes to clean up the scene at the end of the film and Tarantino at Tarantino's pa- or house. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tarantino asks him, I don't know if you remember, Tarantino asks him, how do you take his coffee? And I remember watching it for the first time, like, oh, black, of course. And he goes. No, lots of milk, lots of sugar, or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah, I do remember that scene. That shit always makes me laugh. <laughs> the way he says it. Lots of milk, lots of sugar. Yeah. <laughs> so it's good to see that it's not always, like, he just, he's, a, he's the rare exception, the wolf. Yeah. So as a, they hit the road, Joel's really loving that burnt shit, slurping it down. Delicious. Uh, Allie, he's got Allie on Thomas Guy duty. For those of you who don't know, Thomas Guide, I'm old enough to remember the Thomas Guide. Um, Mom would deliver flowers. I'd be on the Thomas Guide duty. Me too. Yeah. Learned to read that thing. I felt like I felt like a genius reading that thing. <laughs> I, I remember like during that time, like we, we would just know streets on the top of our head just by using it so much. Yeah. And then as time went on, you're like, fuck, what street are we on? What's the street called again? <laughs> it was fun. It was like a little puzzle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like a video game yeah but ali ali's pretty she's pretty good with it seems like she she's starting to she gets an idea of wyoming she's mapping it out cheyenne laramie these are all the different cities in in uh, wyoming i'm sure those cities were going crazy seeing themselves mentioned in this big show i know whenever santa paula is mentioned 
uh in like the rare few cases it is true shout out true detective season two shout out dude and any fucking ventura county city when they're mentioned nah, santa paul specifically fuck, fuck fuck everyone else santa paul versus uh, everybody um okay. there will be blood that's a good one that's like my favorite one santa oh yeah they, they do say santa, santa paula yeah dude that one's, that's the yeah, best one by far the best one um other than that i can't think of i mean we get there's a lot of filming that happens here but if straight up literal mentions of the town santa paula pretty rare in movies but uh there will be blood good enough if that's all we ever get that's good enough top 10 film all time um so here we get the we get a little bit of bonding they got a lot of time on the road joel opens up about tommy she asks him okay so who's this what's his name I, i'm surprised that he that she, she doesn't even get his name i thought he mentioned she probably wasn't listening, but I know Marlene and uh, maybe not. Maybe when that whole confrontation with Marlene happened in the first episode, I thought I heard Tommy's name mentioned. But um, Allie, Allie was just trying to cut Joel. She wasn't listening. She couldn't hear nothing. But um, she learns a little bit more about about Tommy. Joel opens up, calls him a joiner, dreams of becoming a hero, went to uh, join the army, got sent to Desert Storm. So we this is confirmed. I know that you knew this, but there was a lot of confusion around who was the veteran, uh, Tommy or Joel. And here it was confirmed that it was, it was Tommy. Um, it was Tommy's idea after the outbreak hit. It was Tommy's idea to join a group, not the Fireflies, right? Then they're heading up to Boston. Uh, Joel decided to tag along, mainly to keep him, keep an eye on him, keep him alive. That's where they met Tess, uh, and that's where they met Marlene too. Marlene was up in Boston. She recruits Tommy to the Fireflies, and like Joel said, he's he's always he has these dreams of becoming a hero. So he was in. Seems like he's very 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 susceptible to these causes. Where was Joel when Tommy was was picking up all these pamphlets, bro? Like, put down those pamphlets, Tommy. <laughs> I was confused here too because I thought he mentioned like uh, a certain time frame. He said like ten years or. or yeah, he said something like ten years, and he was like, "That's what." And then we met Tess, but it almost sounded like he said he met Tess ten years after the outbreak. But in long, long time, they met them like a couple years after the outbreak, right? Yeah. What year was it when ten, they him saying anything about ten years? Yeah, I was confused by that. Yeah. I, I'm sure it wasn't a continuity error, but when when he first said it, I was confused. I was like, "Wait, I thought." Tess and Joel met Bill and Frank like a couple years after the outbreak. But then again, I never watched Long Long Time again, so I don't Yeah, it was. It was like 2000 I think it was the two, it was like 2007, the 2007, wasn't it? Yeah. But where'd you get 10 years from? I I, I could have swore he said like, "Oh, we were doing that." Like like he mentioned that he was in the the hunter group or whatever that they were in before they met up in Boston for like 10 something years or longer than I don't know what time no, Tess frame was, it was with but... him when they were when he joined the hunters group. He he mentions that later on specifically. He says me and Tess did this or something. When she asks, "Have you?" Yeah, I gotta watch it again. People, or have, have you? How did you know? I swore he said like eight or ten years, but then I did the math in my head. I was like, wait, he he was in that flashback with Bill and Frank like in two thousand seven. No, know, he met I've... Tess right away. Um, right. sorry, no, um. So yeah, he he calls Joel or he calls Tommy delusional. He just has like a very seems like low point of view about like Tom, like Tommy's whole um 
like he doesn't seem to be like have any like he doesn't i mean I, I i understand why he wouldn't encourage it or find it at all inspiring but he's just like really down on it it seems like um he calls him delusional and it seems like he's very hopeless even ali says why why do you keep going if you don't even have hope and he's like he gives her the this is like where i was talking about earlier like some clunky dialogue he's like you know you don't know nothing like you haven't lived life or something like that but um he basically says like you don't know shit kid shut up and that's kind of a, a classic trope and she kind of rolls her eyes and he lets her know it's for family you know the reason why you keep going is for family it's kind of like fast fast furious <laughs> energy coming from joel here the dominic mentality yeah, dominic Tator. but actual family not just fucking people you meet yeah <laughs> yeah they throw they play pretty fast and loose with the term family in that franchise yeah. for sure um she asks, and what am I? And he says, your cargo. But he doesn't believe it. You can tell in his face, like, God, Pedro's so good at some of this, like, subtle uh, saying one thing but meaning another. You know, he does that a lot. He's done that a lot throughout the series. Very guarded, but at the same time, very, he's kind of like an open wound almost. You know, and um, and that's not something every actor can, can do. Um, he calls her cargo, but uh, yeah, he doesn't mean it. Basically says that the reason why he's doing all this is because he made a promise to Tess and she was family. And that, that, that kind of, uh, that's, some, that's some new information here that he held her in such high regard. I wouldn't have um, picked that up from just the brief times we saw them together. He's very cold towards her. He, you know, the, well, he doesn't treat her, the, treat her like family the way I, you know, we treat each other like a family around here. I don't know. Maybe family means different things to different people, of course, but absolutely yeah. um i i speaking of i really enjoy how they're they're kind of elongating the idea of tess and joel being a couple and, and the ramifications of that because in the game i mean it, she is mentioned and whatnot but to hear him talk about her more and to have that flashback with him her and um in the last episode, I, I really enjoy that they're kind of um, diving into that failure of him mm-hmm. seeing, because in a way, he kept her at a distance because in his mind, he was like, you, you can never fill the void my daughter left behind, so no one can, and especially not a romantic partner, because, you know, it probably made him feel guilty, like how the hell am I, am I worthy of romance or how, how do I deserve romance if I let my daughter die, you know? Yeah. So to see him, uh, you know, have remorse for essentially not just letting Tess love him the way that they both kind of wanted to deep down it, and, you know, him slowly but surely, you know, like you'd mentioned it earlier when he said he, she's cargo he is still he does still have certain walls up but you know to see him kind of be remorseful and learn from his mistakes it's 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 a it kind of pieces together the story more so than it did in the game yeah um, yeah because in the the game Tess is kind of an afterthought by the time you get to the end of the story yeah Dave Chen my boy Dave Chen took big issue with the first episode and the fact that Joel and Tess were romantic or that it was um, kind of presumed that they were romantic because that would have to, for that to be true, Joel would have had to 
overcome the trauma of losing Sarah enough to love again. And that was something that Chen specifically felt wasn't possible or didn't feel earned or it was just incredulous overall. Um, so it's interesting that you mentioned that because um, I remember he brought that up and it's not it's not like a sentiment I saw echoed from a lot of people, but him him specifically, he didn't like that that they were that that they were romantic or it's not that he didn't like it. He just felt that it was asking too much of Joel and too much of the audience to buy into the fact that he would um, allow himself to love again or be romantic again. But um, I mean, he came around really, to it like it, the co-host kind yeah. of like talked him through and was like or talked like, yeah, I mean, of course, like time heals it does it just does like i know it's your daughter but over time you you want you you it's just in our nature as humans to move on and to persevere and to and then we feel lonely again and when it's so when something like this comes around you can't help but to remain open it's just in our nature to commute to to connect with each other yeah and everyone shows affection differently i mean it's pretty obvious to me that he had huge walls or they both probably kind of did, but him, especially they had, they had huge walls where they they would only take it so far, you know, to me, at least like a sexual relationship, it doesn't have to be romantic, you know, especially in this, you know, um, post-apocalyptic shit house of a world. So, and, and it's not like they showed, showed them walking around holding hands or doing anything corny like that. You know, it was, it was real quick when, she comes back from her her escape from Robert. He's asleep, you know, and she kind of takes that opportunity, you know, to kind of, to put her to spoon him and to put her heart around him, you know. For all we know, it would have been different if he was awake. You know, that probably wouldn't have happened. Yeah. You know, so I thought that was I like little subtle touches yeah. like that, and I like that that they're bringing it all together. That he did have that wall up, and that was to his detriment because. And again, we keep like mentioning long, long time, but yeah, allowing yourself to love can give you a real purpose again. Yeah, and and it's 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 also kind of ironic, and it makes him seem hypocritical in a way because he says you fight for family, and fighting for family is a form of love, but for him, he's kind of using it as a means for or as a, an excuse for his survival, you know. But well, this gets to my next point. Like Joel's whole identity is founded on his caretaking, fixing things, being the person that gets called on when shit hits the fan. So, and that's something that's hard to admit that people don't want to admit that people don't own, you know, that's not like a a title we want is like it's like people pleasing. He's kind of like a people pleaser. He likes to be needed. He likes to be um like I said, the caretaker and then and to fix things and to and like he says to Tommy in the first episode like he needs me. It's not the same thing as loving me. So he, though he like turns his nose up at the fact that Tommy relies on him, like he wouldn't, he would lose himself completely if Tommy was to all of a sudden, well, this is what happens, right? In a way, if to become independent and not need him anymore, Joel needs to be needed, basically, I think. Um, is that my reaching or what do you, what do you think? I mean, you know, we didn't really get a lot of, see a lot of him you know, before this, but in, the, in that first episode, you know, he wasn't that cold. He, he he was able to joke around with his brother and stuff. He's, you know, kind of a blue collar dude. He was he obviously got a w- long while with his teenage daughter. And 
yeah, he was in in a certain in a certain way he was a lover in during that time you know he he showed his love in in that in those ways of like you said being a caretaker and whatnot but to him since um whereas before he was more he kind of wore it as as pride you know he was uh, probably proud of his daughter and her accomplishments and stuff like that but since her death he sees that as a failure and um, as much as he says, I'm a survivor, I'm a survivor, this, like, he's a reluctant caretaker in a way, you know, like, if, if people were to come out to him and tell him, like, oh, like, you know, like, you're good about taking care of people, he would probably disagree, you know, he's, he's reluctant to, to, um, to subscribe to the philosophy, but his actions speak otherwise, you know? Yeah, I mean, because uh, he feels like he doesn't earn he doesn't earn that title given what he let happen oh, yeah, to his he's daughter. Not, his he eyes. doesn't. He doesn't. But, but old habits die hard, right? Yeah. So even in this shit, in this like fucked up world, he can't help but just keep going for family. Like he I says. think he relishes in the caretaking. So we might disagree there, but but yeah. um, no, I get, and I think that it only grows stronger based off his previous or his most recent failures with his uh, with Tess and Sarah. But I think he's seeing this as an opportunity to redeem himself. You know. Not only with Ali, but with Tommy too. He's trying to make things right. Uh, yeah, but he, even then, he's still reluctant about it. Like you mentioned earlier, like he's still calling her cargo. He's still keeping certain walls up front. But well, inside, I mean, he's probably he's probably made more progress with Ali than he has with anybody in years. You yeah, know? decades. So they they continue on. Uh, he he tells Ali maybe she should get some sleep since she had to get up early. She says she's not tired right away. She she's not she's knocked out. Those card naps hit different, bro. Uh, I know. So I, I don't always get the opportunity to fall asleep in the car. It's hard for me now. But I remember when I was a kid, I used to wake up and not know where the hell I was, what was going on, what if it is it night, is it day, am I late for school? But the, uh, I don't know about you, but those car naps hit different for me. Yeah. <laughs> They reach a tunnel. Looks like um like a t- uh, they're on the highway and there's like a blockage in Kansas City is where we realize that they're at and this was intentionally placed there. I'm guessing it's never really confirmed, but I'm guessing anyone who's passing through Kansas City or who's trying to pass through Kansas City through the highway has to go through the hunters first. So that's why they block off the highway with this uh, Sarah Lee bread truck. Uh, again, the production design looks incredible. Just want to shout that out again. Um, Joe says, "Oh no, we'll 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 find another way." They look at the they look at the Thomas Guide, and um, they go back into the city. They have to find a different route, uh, but they get all turned around. Joe starts to panic a little bit, uh, <laughs> as men do when they don't know where the hell they're at, and uh, and then he still soon realizes he's lost. He doesn't admit it because he's a man, but he's fucking lost um ali points out the the qz um so you see that it's been condemned it's been overtaken it seems um and then uh they see this guy who needs some help needs some help i didn't pick up on this right away but it's from the game i thought maybe he needed some help the guy had me convinced this guy must have been a former theater kid or a former actor because he he had me convinced i would I, i mean uh he really looked hurt but Joel doesn't fall for it. Um, 
Yeah, no. And uh, I wonder what happened to that guy after 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 that whole encounter. If they if they say, "Oh, you're fired, bro. You're, you're on a, you're gonna be on, tire. You're gonna lay the tire tracks from now on. We gotta, we gotta get someone else to do this this part of the trap. Like, auditions are open. I'm pretty sure he was one of the ones who got shot, so he's gonna have to get replaced. Anyways. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> uh, auditions are, are are open. Now the guy in the game, see that that goes that goes back to what I was telling you. Like he. Uh, I know it's a just a voice actor and some good animation, but he really he's sold like, it. Please, please, and he has like fake blood and oh, everything. Shit. He's like holding his gut, and now he's like, "Holy shit! Like, what's wrong? Like, were we gonna help him?" And then Joel's like just shaking his head, like doesn't hesitate, like just fucking runs him over. If you got, you thought that guy was a theater kid, the fucking guy in the game is some Oscar winner. Quan Method or what? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he had blood and everything, and he pulls out a gun as he sees him like charging towards him and tries to shoot That's him. What's, that's tight. Right. Um, they laid out some tire spikes, so then they crash. We we talked about this a little bit. The, a firefight ensues, one that Brandon wasn't a fan of. Uh, and yeah, I, I found a little like it just wasn't very like propulsive. Like no one seemed in danger. You couldn't really see no. where the fire was coming from. So it was it wasn't it wasn't. Um, the set even looked like too much of a set. Like, yeah, I didn't have too it, much. It looked like some like Halloween Horror Nights type yeah, shit. Yeah, I guess. I, I didn't know. have issue with the set. Just the whole thing, like, uh, I thought the car crash looked good. Like, the camera angle and all that looked yeah. good. It looked yeah. intense. I was like, holy shit. Because you think about it in real life. Like, one second you're driving around. Next thing you're crashing head on into a, uh, you know, a store into glass. I know when you get in a little fender bender, your car goes, it feels like a fucking earthquake hit. So you can only, I've never been in a crazy car accident like that, but I feel like car accidents are kind of like, like violence isn't always depicted accurately in movies, but when it's really done well like this, um, it's a, it's a crazy thing to get for a car to like crash. I know, um, makes me think of, uh, like the Sopranos did this really well where the, they depict car accidents really gnarly and like graphic and the destruction and the clunk and the sound of the metal and all that. Like I thought the car crash was well done, but yeah, the firefight afterward um, let, wasn't, wasn't, wasn't great and it didn't make a lot of sense. But um, he tells Ali, you know, squeeze through that hole and I understand that this is like a gameplay element because Ali's smaller than Joel so she's often used to sneak into places that are where Joel wouldn't fit into and like open the other side of the door. But I feel like, uh, this was like a nod to that. Right. Yeah. And, I guess. and he, he kind of promises her that she's going to be okay. I thought that was sweet. Um, that they're not going to hit you. They're not going to hit you. Um, like I said earlier, we, we, we realized that these are the hunters. Um, Kansas city hunters <laughs> is the best thing we can name them right now. <laughs> Kathleen's Kansas City Hunters. Yeah, Super Bowl bound. Um, this set piece kind of reminded me of the earlier of the infected episode where, but this time it's like the man, like it's like a human, right? He's the threat. Like Allie's looking over his shoulder and you could see one of the hunters kind of approaching Joel. Joel gets him. I thought that was a cool shot because you just hear the gunshot and you see Joel standing there. I thought that was pretty badass the way that was done. You don't need to show it every time, you know? I don't know. I like that. The guy he yeah, shot. The he shot. Yeah, yeah. And then they cool. cut to Joel, and he's just standing there. I thought that was sick. Um, but he lets his guard down. You know, he should have. I don't know. He didn't think that there might be more than one. But uh, Brian, that could be the ear thing too. Oh, yeah. I don't. I don't. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't pay attention to what side he 
that fool came through, but well, he was behind came him. Came in the door behind, yeah, him, behind so him, so could be yeah, the this, hear, thing, this yeah. hearing thing is gonna be an issue. Yeah, <laughs> um, gets taken by surprise. They get into a, a fist fight. I thought this was pretty well done. Like the, it felt like the blows were landing. The they felt evenly matched. That's what you want from like a good <laughs> fist fight, you know. Um, Joel fucks him up with that with the butt of that gun the first time. Um, but Brian came, you know, he, he didn't let up. He's got some fight. He's got some dog in him. Um, he's got that Patrick Beverly approach. He's just talking shit the entire time. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, until he can, anymore. yeah, <laughs> Ali, uh, Ali come. And then Ali realizes that she, she starts to, you can start to hear Joel. Like the guy gets on top of Joel. Brian gets on top of Joel. Has him dead to rights, basically. Um, uh, has him cho- choking him out. You can hear Joel like gasping for breath. Um, I already mentioned this, but Joel isn't like this is another example of Joel being mortal, fallible. Um, Allie realizes Old. that she needs to step in. She gets her knife at first, but then she remembers. She remembers she has the gun. Um, she kind of hesitates at first, but not not for long. Like I don't know, she 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 pulls the trigger pretty quickly. Basically saves Joel's life, so they're even now, right? Because he saved her, or he saved her life the first time with Lee and the QZ. So now they're even. Um, but at first, I thought that she, she doesn't save him from Brian crying like a little bit. <laughs> you don't like that? No, I mean it was fine, but like, dude, he, he, he right like, away. Yeah, and then for how long it went, I was like, dude, like, how- oh, that was intentional. You were just talking. I, mean, I know it was intentional, yeah. but it's like, dude. Anyway, anyways, yeah, it just shows you there's no, uh, um, you know, once you got people can't keep that yeah, same energy, not even in no, this world, especially when you get shot in the ass. <laughs> I thought she shot him in the ass. I thought that, I honestly had there was a moment where I thought this was, this moment was gonna be played for laughs. Like, it reminded me of Training Day, Lorenzo getting shot in the ass. You shot me in the ass, huh? Yeah. Uh, but well, oh, oh, I just thought about it too. It doesn't make sense, right? Because one of the first thing he says is, "I can't feel yet. my legs. I can't. I feel my legs." I thought that was interesting. I was like, the idea of her making someone handicapped—that's kind of interesting. But then, and granted, you know, he probably wasn't thinking right. But he was like, "Oh, like I'll, I'll take you to them. I'll tell them you're cool." And you're like, "Motherfucker, you just said you can't walk. Where are you gonna take us? You're gonna, we're gonna carry you?" Yeah. You know, if you right? carry me. I'll take fuck. No. <laughs> yeah, he was asking but, a lot, but uh, yeah. in those final moments, bro, your mind is firing off all these synapses, and you don't know. You know you'll you'll grab onto any kind of little bit of hope. Um, yeah, I I just wonder w- what was the writing intention, especially when uh, we were they were saying last episode that Mason writes the thoughts of the characters. Mm-hmm. I wonder if he had thoughts for this fool too, and like what the fuck he was thinking, like if that was intentional, like. Oh, he says he'll take him, but you know, we just realized he can't walk, so he forgot already that he can't. Yeah, walk. that makes I sense. Know. I mean, it's all happening so fast. But I just thought it it was a little too much. It was a too it, it it was just on like the edge of over the top for me. I thought it was believable the fact that right away and it and it goes and it and it kind of emphasizes the fact that these are normal people pushed into ugly circumstances right because right away right when death is staring at you staring staring at you in the face you kind of revert back to who you were before all this shit went down and that's just a normal person with a mom who wants to live his name's brian i thought that was pretty effective and made the scene 
even more kind of compelling for me and kind of sad the fact that um yeah you you're just reminded that this is just a normal guy if he had continued to talk shit and all that i don't think his death would have hit the same you know i just thought it was a little rushed you know and like yeah um if i was giving writer notes fucking whatever fuck it let's just go with it but like let's just say if if he was or if he was one of the dudes that Joel shot outside, and as they walk by him, they see him he, him there dying, and he's like, I can't feel my legs and shit. I feel like that would have been more effective, but since he literally went from 100 to 0, like, that bothered me. He was, like, talking shit, motherfucker, dead. And as soon as he gets shot, he's like, oh, my God, I'm Brian. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. It just felt rushed, No, yeah, you know? I, feel, yeah, that's a, no, I see so, it more now that you'd explain it that way. Yeah, yeah like, had, had maybe they come across him, and he's just bleeding out, pleading for his life. Maybe that would have been a little more effective than, you know, two seconds ago you were talking shit while you're killing me, and now you're begging me for your life. Yeah. Right. No, yeah, it makes sense now that now that you explain yeah. it that way. I, I understand how you feel. Um, yeah. So this is the first time Joel learns about Ali having the gun. He's, he seems pretty. It's hard for him to be pissed because this fucking gun just saved his life. So shout out Bill, uh, for for stashing that gun and Ali for having the the mindset to take it but um again bill uh like frank having an effect after his passing with this with the sleeping bag we see bill kind of save the day here in a way i thought that was cool um he's pissed he takes it away from her he takes the gun joel takes the gun away from ali tells her to go away um i was expecting to hear a gunshot here but makes sense he stabs him he wants to conserve ammo doesn't want to make a lot of noise stabs him with his own fucking knife Gotcha. Yeah, well, 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 Brian, he the sales pitch on the knife was impeccable. Yeah, he's, he said, it's a good knife. Here you go. So Joel's like, you want to see? That fool had a lot of lines. And when you think about it, like, God damn. When he got that role, he's probably like, am I really talking this much? <laughs> Hell yeah. Oh, shout out the actor. I thought he was pretty <laughs> no, good. No, the actor was, for what he, he got. Yeah, he had to be at a 10. He made the most out of it. I just think the writing was clunky. Yeah. yeah uh, Joel's like it was rushed and it was clunky. For Joel's sure. like the, yeah, the kid himself was he was he was pretty. Good. Yeah, Joel's like all right, let's see how good this knife really is, brother. Yeah, um, UVC tested. <laughs> so the threat has been eliminated. They scram. They need to find higher ground, and cut to the next scene. the The interrogation. We meet Kathleen, head of the hunters. Um, actually, before that, excuse me, before that, you see guards patrolling like. First, you just see random guards patrolling. They're very organized. I was like, who is this? I was sort of confused. Like, they look pretty legit, you know? It seems like all their gear is very, it resembles Fedra. So I'm guessing that they, you know, that makes sense. There's a condemned taking over Fedra Q, or QZ. So this is probably all the Fedra gear that they're they're wearing, right? Exactly. And uh, When did they see that the Q, the QZ was fucked up? It was, was right it? before the they fell into that trap when they were looking for, like, the highway. Oh, so it was when they were driving, yeah, right? Driving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, thanks. And uh, we see Kathleen. She's interrogating someone in what seems to be like an old Fedra interrogation cell. There's a sign that says Fedra and what they're entitled to while they're being held. It's a doctor, lawyer, medical attention, things like that. It's just a fancy storage yeah. container. Those are straight from the game as yeah. well. Um, the guy she's interviewing is, is, is apparently a doctor, Dr. Aldelstein. Aldelstein, he's credited as Aldelstein. You recognize this actor? Yeah, but I forgot. Social Network, bro. He was the deposition lawyer in That's the right. Social Network. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he was good in that. 
Um, he was like right next to um, Rashida Jones. Mm-hmm. He was right? the one that was kind yeah. of leading the whole deposition. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Um, you got some like, iconic lines in that. Movie. Yeah. So were you or were you not the owner of Facebook? I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. He, but he's pretty good here. Um, I couldn't even recognize him with all. He's like, very like dark. He's in shit. the dark. I only recognized him um, after looking him up, and I was like, oh yeah, I remember this guy now. But she reads off a list of names asking, I wonder who all these people are. It's still not clear to me. But she reads off a list of names. He keeps shaking his head no. He hasn't seen any of them. She reaches Henry Burrell's name. And he says no again. But she spots, she has a good poker face. It seems like she knows he's lying. Reminds me of poker face. Like she spots that he's lying. Just the little hesitancy when he when she says his name is enough to let Kathleen know that he's lying. Um, so we find out that, 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 the doctor was snitching to his neighbors out to Fedra. Um that they put a gun to his head. He had no choice, bro. What do you what do you do with this guy? Just do you do you let him go or well, I mean what? Snitches so, get so stitches or by what? This whole scene. Huh? Snitches get stitches or, or what? Honestly, I couldn't even like maybe it was the dialogue or whatever, but I had no fucking clue what they were talking about. I was so confused. Well, it seems like he Fedra was going around for some reason, looking for people, maybe people who were part of the hunters. I'm guessing maybe these. What I what I the way I see it is, hunters started to come up and to rise up in the wake of Fedra, and they were causing issues. But they were kind of operating as like an underground cell, and they started to look for. Once they started to make enough noise, Fedra went after them, and maybe Aldelstein seems like he was working with them too and Fedra picked up on this Fedra saw that he was weak maybe an old man or maybe he just wasn't as loyal to the cause as some of the others they kind of exploited him to get info basically and he and he yeah. he sold I, him out yeah. I guess I'm sure we'll get it explained more in this next mm-hmm. episode but again you know I hate to to sound like I'm complaining No it wasn't cl- more more clunky yeah, writing right here I was like what the fuck's they're going on They're a little on? too coy and a little too yeah. like they don't want to give too much away but I think they're like everything I just said right now is presumed like but yeah. I'm guessing that's what happened like I'm And then their temperament too like I don't know maybe it was the direction but like yeah, well, we'll, we'll talk. It, it didn't even really seem like it was an urgent matter or anything you know and it was just like yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but 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 like for sure, like the writing, like don't get, we always talk about? We don't like when shit's exposition heavy or like but, too direct but, and yeah, on the yeah. Nose. But like in this instance, like we needed something more, you know, because the, the, it almost felt like 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 you left and came back and you're in the middle of a a scene or like you. You missed a, an entire other scene. Completely. Yeah, it was in the middle, yeah. or towards. It might have been like the second or third time she tried to question him, maybe. But yeah, for sure. I was confused a bit. Yeah, it it felt it didn't feel like it. It was it felt stark. Like it felt like that's this is weird. Like it feels like I'm we're missing a scene here, or like did I miss? Yeah, something? I think like, the primary objective of the scene was to establish Kathleen, show her demeanor, show how imposing and threatening she is more so than like the the nitty-gritty and the but all that stuff is important as a someone who's watching a show you want to understand at least i do i want to understand everything that's going on um and that this scene made that hard 
for sure. Yeah, and then speaking of, like, you know, we, we always talk about, you've been mentioning all kinds about your love for Andor, and um, some of the writing there, like, sure, it's exposition heavy, but the way in which it's worded, is, it's it's so, like, like, there's a way to get exposition where it doesn't feel like you're you're telling, like, you're actually telling the story. Well, yeah, you know yeah with Andor, like, you always know who's who, what's what. And that's hard to do sometimes, especially when you're bouncing around as much. Andor yeah. wasn't didn't have to bounce around, I don't think, as much. You understood there's basically two sides on Andor, two maybe three sides, like, you know, the Empire and everybody else, basically. And here there's Fedra, there's Joel and Ali, there's the Hunters, there's Mercs. We learn about Mercs, so it's yeah. hard to understand who's who, what's what, who's working with who. So there's there is a lot of moving parts and it's not all clear here, but I trust the show enough to to to, to understand that we'll we'll learn more later. But yeah, um but I guess the point I'm trying to make is because we always hear it with, with a lot of reviewers that we watch especially that they they kind of generalize exposition heavy dialogue as a bad thing, but there's a right way to do it, you know, like you know you know, for sake of argument, I would argue that Andor it, it, it is super exposition heavy, but the way in which it's written, it's is so well that they kind of trick you. Yeah, you they, know, like, they veil like, it. Like you're so engaged with the story that it doesn't feel like someone's just reading you all oh, this, like reading you an update on on this last episode. You know, it it, it feels like integral. For sure, it's it's organic. Yeah. It's it's veiled. Yeah. It's hidden. You won't like good at when a good exposition hits, you wouldn't even know it's exposition. You just yeah. Exactly. So, um, this was clunky, especially when she's like, "I wonder if this is the cell my brother was murdered in." Right. Um, yeah, you're like, and Edelstein says they had a gun to my head. It's very show and not tell. Um, she talks about her brother. You were wronged, he says. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty. <laughs> <laughs> that dialogue's pretty clunky. All this stuff is pretty clunky. But I mean, they they do have a limited amount of time to get this information to you, and they felt like okay, an interrogation scene where people are asking each other or one person's asking another person questions, it makes sense that they would use this to deliver information to the audience, but it's not done as elegantly as, as some other shows have done it, as you mentioned. Um, yeah, for sure. He, I guess the point I'm trying to make is, you know, it, it's everything has to be balanced, right? Like, there has to be a good balance of direction, dialogue, performance, all that shit. And right here, you know, I couldn't, pinpoint which one it was the but performances are weird too yeah exactly i couldn't pinpoint which one felt off but they weren't balanced yeah. you know they weren't terrible but they weren't all um kind of amplifying the other each yeah, other I, I, you know? I imagine like the actors and the director had a trouble with this scene for yeah sure yeah um, you can sense that a bit um so she threatens to kill her uh we learned that her brother was killed by Fedra, as I mentioned, and, and she thinks Henry had something to do with this. So, again, more, like, questions. I have more questions than, than anything coming out of the scene. Like, what does Henry have to do with it? But Who the fuck is Henry? Well, like, <laughs> For anyone who hasn't played or, the game. I mean, I didn't play the game, but I heard a lot of rumblings about her, Henry uh, leading up to this episode. So, yeah, but, yeah, I guess if someone's not plugged yeah. in like I am, they're like, 
like I'm sure Jasmine was like, Henry, who's Henry? Did they mention him before? Is that the other guy? Exactly. And that's what it goes back to what I was telling you earlier. It felt like a scene like that you that they, someone didn't pause while you were coming back from the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Like, what the mm-hmm. fuck did I miss? You know, it felt like you just you got um, thrusted into in the middle of this this story you don't ha- you don't really know any of the yeah. details about so she threatens to kill him if he doesn't give up if she doesn't tell her what she what he knows about henry because he obviously knows something he plays the doctor card says you need me bitch what if you get a what if you get a cold what what if, what you finna do then is basically his position and she's like you got a point because <laughs> she walks away or she gets called away um if she wasn't white she would have not hesitated to do what she did but go ahead I mean, my faith in doctors is pretty low in the recent years. No offense, like anyone who's a doctor. I mean, it's beautiful, admirable work. But my experience with doctors, personally, I haven't had the greatest insurance. I went many years without insurance. That doesn't help. But I know I'm not. I I don't know. I feel like I feel like it's more important to take care of myself. I've lifted up to myself to take care of myself and not have to rely on doctors and, and and getting sick or injured things like that because they rarely help in my personal experience i mean if there if there was any time where they'd be the the most valuable it'd be during this time where they couldn't you know be spending 60 percent of their time on a golf course they'd actually be doing their yeah, practice I don't know if that's so. fair like a lot of them seem overworked too like so it's not their fault like i know depends, depends which yeah. ones but most most are, or a good amount are not not in the thick yeah. of it we'll see um, so she gets called away and they just have Brian's dead ass body laying right there, put on display. Uh, I thought that was kind of gotcha. If I was Brian's friend, I would have said, uh, let's cover him up. But for dramatic effect, he's open there. His chest is open. Uh, they want to make sure Kathleen sees, uh, we meet Perry, who's apparently her second in command played by Jeffrey Pierce. He was the original voice of Tommy. We mentioned before, um, Kathleen seems really obsessed with this Henry guy. She she's right away before asking any questions, she's convinced it's Henry. This had to be Henry. <laughs> um, she just seems very singly focused on on Henry. Um, I didn't know if I bought this scene at all, honestly. When she asks like, "Would a doctor help?" and then that's what propels her to go off at Aldelstein. Yeah, that was a that was a reach. Yeah, um, it would have been it would have been better if she just blasted him right away or i don't know dude these two like the this introduction was pretty yeah and, it made, and like i love melanie Lisk, i love her like especially considering that they argued for it because at the end of the episode they said you know in the game this group they don't really have a face but you know we wanted to to introduce a new character here and you know give them a motive and blah 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 but it's like that's just and i get it you know like i mentioned earlier sometimes it all depends on execution right like that scene you don't not every introduction scene you don't need to have everything laid out for you but yeah like like the the, the this introduction that introduction scene with the doctor and her it just it wasn't good and it it didn't give you any idea of whether or not like you should be behind their cause or like what? Ex- like, yeah, that's a good point. It, it made no sense. If anything, it confused me more than the game did. Because in the game, when you get attacked, you're like, well, obviously these dudes are. Um. This is what they do. The, the, like they're hunters for survival. They just 
anyone who pulls up, they fucking kill them and they take all their supplies. And then, and and uh, in the game, there's a lot of like notes and shit you can pick up. And right after that that fight, you sneak into an area and you see like, um, like a list of that they keep tally of of all the supplies that they got off the people they're hunting. And you even see like their dead bodies of like all, all their their um supplies. So just straight up villains in the game. Yeah, but at least right there, like, you know, like, there's a reason, right? And for this, like, the showrunner at the end, they, or, like, the show creators at the end, they said, yeah, you know, we wanted to, to give them a reason and to show that, that they they took down Fedra and stuff, but it's, like... That's a whole different show. Well, yeah, like, and also, like, while you're... Sh- what you've showed doesn't convince me that they'd be able to do that. Like, they seem pretty incompetent. Yeah. Like, two two brand new people just pulled up and they've killed three of their guys yeah. like nothing and then this henry dude is causing cam or chaos yeah. too you know so it, i don't really buy it oh yeah i agree and, yeah. and um this is like what can happen on the flip side of when you decide to explore and and stretch out characters or mentions from from uh when you're adapting material it doesn't like not every single thing needs to be explored this deeply. No, you know, some things are doesn't. are good just the way they are. But it's and I appreciate that that they're trying. And I'm I'm not get like this is only the first part like we mentioned, so we yeah, can't again, we can't like that's, give, what, that's what I was about yeah, to we say. We can't like uh, the jury or the verdict is still out. Um, but yeah, and then like I, I love Melanie Linsky, but like I thought like I don't know her acting was weird to me here. Yeah, like she felt like she was trying a little too hard, or trying not hard enough, or I just didn't. I honestly like couldn't buy it yet. I thought um, someone like Jennifer, like, because well, the reason why they cast her is right, because is how she looks, how she's presented, and traditionally how we recognize her as this very like warm, homely like person, un like un- unimposing, non threatening. And they wanted to. Oh, this is perfect because now it may, it makes it even more compelling that she is like a killer. Um, but she, I don't know if she, she doesn't have enough edge to me yet, or maybe it's just inherent in her and who she is. But um, yeah, like I feel like the 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 drug dealer from um, Euphoria does this pretty well, and she's creep. Like there has to be some sort of creepy or weird, yeah, weird great, element yeah. to this character that's missing for me. Yeah. Just, like she doesn't seem dangerous to me. I wouldn't be afraid of her. Yeah, and, and what seems what annoys me too, it, it goes kind of on the opposite edge of what you were saying earlier. You were saying talking about like showing, not telling, but here like they're telling us and they're yeah. not showing us. Like we've seen so many people. Oh, like Kathleen is this ruthless leader. Kathleen is this ruthless leader. Ruthless to me. She doesn't need to ask. Hey, uh, she basically asked, "Can I go kill this doctor? Is that a stupid idea?" And the guy was like, "No, it's fine. Like, go ahead, go kill him." Well, the like, if you're ruthless, you would have just fucking. Well, the whole him. interrogation before questions are very direct, rather than like, and rather like the interrogation scene and in and we keep talking about Andor, but when Deidre's interrogating, um, Bix, like yeah. torture, yeah. torture would yeah. have been perfect. And she's right very there. like casual and nonchalant, like. Kathleen here is like very like um clumsy and like over aggressive with her questioning and that's never effective in an interrogation scene it's more so when like the interrogator is in complete control at ease they couldn't give a fuck if you give them what they want or not because you are going to give them what they want you know like she didn't yeah. seem as confident but 
Yeah, and then she almost seems like overly personable. Like you can tell, like like they know yeah, each like other. I and delivered shit. you like again more exposition and more clunky. Like, <laughs> like I didn't need that at all. I don't give a fuck. I, yeah, it's just it, 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 their intentions and the intentions of the show writers and their words don't seem to line up because they keep saying she's ruthless. But it would make more sense if they would explain her. Like, you know, she comes, she comes off as like you know, kind of a personable um, person or like, you know, that you can have a conversation with, but she's actually ruthless, mm. you know, but instead they're like, no, she's ruthless. Yeah. And then they present her as like, yeah, like you mentioned, like, like she doesn't seem confident. She doesn't seem intimidating. She doesn't even seem like informed really, you know, I don't know. I, I, I would have been, I can't know. I keep talking about the second game. But literally in the second game, there's an introduction to a similar type of character. And you just like, you walk in on him in the middle of an interrogation and the guy he's talking to is just full of blood and shit. And he's like real calm and, and and it's fucking, it's scary the way they introduce him. I feel like, yeah. And that's interesting that you mentioned, uh, and or or Bix and Andor because they use the inter, uh, the tor the torture method. I feel like if you would have showed him battered and stuff and, and you could still have that, that whole like I know you, you know, which make would make it even more fucked up. It's like you're torturing this dude that you know. Like, damn, that's yeah, ruthless. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't no, know. Yeah. I, but this was not yeah, this it. This wasn't it. Long it story short, we've been we've been bagging on this whole scene for a while now. I'm sorry, <laughs> but it didn't hit. Uh, so, so she asked if the doctor can help. We already said the guy says, Nah, hell no. Silly, silly way of delivering this again. But after that, she walks over. She like storms away, and it's meant to be this. Tra- I thought that was like one of the coolest shots from the trailer too, because she looks cool in that yeah, shot. Yeah, and then she does. Now when I see it, yeah. I'm like, oh, like it, all the mystique and like ener- energy from that scene is like wiped away because now I know why where yeah. it came from, and it just doesn't make it didn't make sense. Um, she very she puts the hit out on everyone like this is Henry. She's so sure of it. She's so sure it's Henry. Um, obviously it's not. And it gave me like big Gary Oldman from Leon the Professional vibes, where he's like everyone, yeah. but uh, not without that intensity. Like now that guy, yeah. now that's good. Now that's a good villain there. And these fools roll out. Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. He was basically the, this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They uh they roll pretty deep. Like it seems like they got all of Fedra's supplies. They they're like armed. Um. Yeah, so so now we understand there's a new threat. They're looking for, they're looking for. They don't know that they're looking for Joel and Allie, but there's people out there. Well, we 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 return to Joel and Allie. They're hiding in a building. Allie spots a tall building about four four blocks away. She says, uh, she's got good geographical kind of uh, location skills. So she knows it's about four blocks away. Um, and then Joel agrees that okay, well, as soon as the coast is clear, we'll hit that. Then we get a little bit of we get a little bit of time to slow down here. Um, this is where they have a little bit of a heart to heart. Joel asks if she's okay. It's, it seems like he's talking. You know, he's talking about what just happened. Joel's blaming himself, saying like, "You're just a kid." Again, some more. <laughs> we keep bagging on the dialogue, but it's there. And um, just, just a kid. kid. Uh, I'm not good at this. That's another like clunky bit of a line, <laughs> but funny, I guess. Kind of breaks the tension. But ultimately, he apologizes, and she's like, you know, don't be sorry. Like, this isn't my first time. Um, 
and he's kind of he seems kind of surprised by that. Um, we'll, we'll we'll return to that later. Um, Joel kind of like figures, okay, well, she saved my ass. Maybe it's maybe she is formidable or more capable than I think. So he asks her to show him how, show him her grip, and he says, you know, she's doing it all wrong. She learned what she learned at the Fedra school. So Fedra, Fedra's not setting these kids up for success in any way. Uh, they got the revisionist history. They're they're they're, they're teaching these fucked up gun techniques. Um, Joel corrects her technique or her grip, tries to pull it free. She she um she kind of smiles and laughs. So again again like this ch- there's like this childhood theme that runs throughout the the episode. For, at least for me, like I kept seeing little glimpses of it. Even even with Joel being goofy, um you kind of see that throughout the episode. Um. He gives her the gun back and agrees, okay, you can have it. As long as you put it in your pack, don't sh- put it in your pocket, you'll shoot your damn ass off. Um, he promises to her that they're going to get through this. Uh, but she doesn't listen, so she's not very obedient. She defies him and she puts it puts it in her pocket. Um, I thought that would come back later, but it, it, it doesn't. But maybe in this next scene, you will, you know, maybe she slept with it in her pocket and in the but did you notice that where he told her to put it in her pack, but she put it in her pocket? Yeah, that's a good observation. Maybe she'll her, it her being in her it being in her pocket will give her. She's a probably chance gonna pull to it on Henry. Pull yeah. it on Henry, yeah. Um. Next, uh, we return to Perry and Kathleen. Perry has something to show <laughs> Kathleen, and we discover that it's Henry's hideout. It's like in the attic of this building. Um. Now this is a pretty good way of delivering. Uh, exposition and information to the audience I think yeah this scene was yeah, way the better fact, like not a lot of dialogue as you see you, she's walking around you see open a- empty cans of food you see superhero drawings right away you get the idea you get the you understand what's happening here what type of um not only that that there are people and children here but what what, what kind of kid that is here it's like this kid who has like these like an imagination and he's creative and he's artistic um, that kind of, um, that kind of appeals more, you know, or like shoots right through the heart when you see that coming from a kid rather than like just empty cans of food or or a sleeping bag or something. The fact that I just thought the superhero drawings were a nice touch. Is that from the game? No. Oh, okay, that's that. So cre- credit to the show creators for dropping that in. Uh, again, it's just like much more effective way of showing and not telling that the what kind of kid this, what kind of kid Sam is. Um, and like I, uh, I mentioned here in my show notes that Patrick Somerville, the the showrunner of station 11, he was on a podcast. I listened to the prestige TV podcast on the ringer and he was praising the show for introducing us to Henry and Sam through Kathleen and not through Joel and Allie. Another, a lesser version of this might've been Joel and Allie discovering the addict and realizing that there's other people here and then encountering them later on in the episode, maybe not knowing that it was that they were in their space before, but the fact that we're at, at, that we see Henry and Sam, or we learn about Henry and Sam through Kathleen places us ahead of Joel and Allie and understanding who's out there, you know? So when they do yeah. encounter each other, um, we know that they're safe in a way, you know? Um, but that was a pretty good, like he had some interesting observations about the way yeah. the information is delivered to the audience. And he really was praising this part. Um, it is kind of cool in the game too though because um as you like fucking start mowing through the waves of enemies uh, you'll you'll hear a couple of them talking about like 
where the fuck is that guy and the kid? They've already took out blah, blah, blah of our unit. And you're like, and even Allie's like, they're talking about us. Huh? Like she's kind of just like proud. She's <laughs> like, yeah, like we're fucking these fools up. And then uh, Henry just and Sam, they just pull up on you. And then they're like, Allie's like, they're talking about Oh, them. that's sick. Yeah. That's yeah. Sick. That's why I, I like the way they introduce it in the game. Yeah. Too. Um. Yeah, like Batman and Robin, like Mr. I'm really yeah. excited to see these guys and, and learn more about them. I know that I remember yeah. when you m- realized that they were going to be in the show, you, you're you a fan of Henry and Sam. So Yeah, and before I forget, there is a really cool story element in this section of the game between the four of them where they, they come across or they're making their way through this encampment in this sewer area. And, and this story is only told through letters that you pick up and they mentioned this character. Um, I'm only mentioning it because from the what I've seen, they it seems like they they'll at least, um, yeah. Like I think they're I'm pretty fairly certain they're gonna at least mention it again. I haven't looked at any spoilers or anything, but in this section there, you pick up a bunch of letters and stuff, and you f- you find out the story of this character called Ish, who was a guy stuck at uh, at sea when the pandemic happened, mm. and he survived for a while out there. But then when he needed supplies. He landed in um, Pittsburgh, where this part of the section in the game takes place. And he ends up camping out in in the sewers by himself. But then he kind of grows tired of, of being by himself. And he, he comes across uh, like um, like families. Because he's like trading with like their parents and stuff. And they have kids and stuff. And he has a lot of room. And he ends up telling them, like, hey, you should come like um live in my settlement like it's safe like we'll we'll do stuff for the kids and stuff so it's a it's like the one part of the game where it's like like the characters don't even really acknowledge it sometimes when you're done reading a letter joel will say something like oh jesus christ or something like that but this section of the game i'm pretty sure he does have a few dialogue parts um people always talk about it and they were even mentioning it before they're like i really hope we at least get a mention or we get to see ish like because that whole story yeah, it seems tight. like a pretty ripe story to explore yeah yeah it's one of those things where it's like it's nice to see something good like yeah something good and and a fleshed out part of the story without needing to like um it's a part of the story where the game uh, rewards you for exploring but in a narrative approach rather than just like oh like keep looking around for supplies but it's like you want like as soon as you find two of the letters you're like fuck i want to find them all i want to know the rest of this guy's mm-hmm. story it's it's like a super um iconic part of the game that everyone's mentioned even before this show was announced they're like i really hope we get to see ish in the last of us movie or shit That's like that yeah um, it's cool so we learned that there's this is the first time we learned that there's another because before uh, Kathleen was only mentioning Henry, and then she mentioned Sam. She learns that, so we learn that there's another person. That's who I'm guessing it's her, uh, Henry's son or brother. We come spoiler, it's his brother, right? Younger brother. Um, she says Sam, you know, Henry won't let Sam go hungry. So she, um, I thought, see, that's an effective way of saying like that, that realizing there's another person, right? Like through organically. Uh, it's it's more organic, right? Because as he's, Sam is mentioned in discussion with Kathleen and Perry because of what happened. So, yeah, comp- like this just stands out much more because of how clunky the earlier scenes were. Um, she says, "Double the g- guards around our provisions. They're close. I can feel it." 
like again like this this is a little bit clunky i didn't like that i'd be like what the what are you psychic i hate when people say i could feel it like oh they're close i don't know um people do say shit like that though but i mean writing like i don't know it's yeah she could have just said double the guards and that would have been fine, fine with me. You know, I didn't need that second yeah. part. Dan, this this episode's making us want to fucking rewrite the whole thing. Dude. <laughs> At least Kathleen's part, man. She had some clunkers. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Perry's mind is clearly somewhere else. At first, I thought he was like questioning her leadership, but now it's because of something he saw earlier. And fuck, I wouldn't be able to think of nothing less. Henry's the last thing on Pe- on Perry's mind after seeing that what he saw. So she she asks him like, "What? What is it?" Um. He decides, you know, he he shows her, and it's like this throbbing, catered ground van. Lathan from from the ringer said he called it the infected dance floor. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> he was asking, uh, who is he reviewing it with? The midnight? Yeah, one of the midnight boys, boys Chuck, Charlie. Okay, so he's not reviewing it with the Rachel. No, 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 right? not Rachel. Okay. No, it's with Chuck. Um, they're great. And then they have a uh, they have one of their producers is named Kai, and he's like. Mm-hmm. Because Chuck played the game. Van hadn't played the game at all. Chuck played the game. And, Does Van even mm, play games? No, I don't think so. No? I think he plays like FIFA, of course. Oh, yeah. I think I mentioned, I um, mentioned FIFA a couple but times. But they have but... one of their show producers, Kai. He's like a, a show producer. And he'll chime in every once in a while. And he knows a lot about the game. So they'll bring him in to talk about elements of the game. So he asked Kai. He said, Kai, is there infected dance floors in the game? And this is a complete show invention like this. Even you were confused. You were like, what is that? And we were like, is it a fungus? Is it the fun? I, I said, is, I think it might be the fungus, but now we think it might be like a bloater. So we'll see. I'm I'm guessing in the next episode, but it did look pretty and pretty fucking scary. But Kathleen has no time for this bullshit right now. She says, we'll deal with it later. She's obsessed with Henry. Even this fucking thing can't pull her attention away from capturing Henry. So I'm wondering, whatever he did better be fucking worth it or whatever she thinks he did because uh, she's she's um, got her, her mind on one one priority. Th- priorities, priorities are fucked. One thing and one thing. Yeah. And, uh, and then they mentioned that Perry, I, I don't know if they mentioned it in the show, but in the after show they mentioned that he was a combat vet. So it makes sense, like, his questioning of her. Yeah, she decides not her, to. Of her orders because to him he's like, this is some shit, like. These are going to be, uh, this is this is more of a, a formidable foe Henry. than Henry is. Yeah, right and now. then not only that, so strike one with prioritizing Henry, and then strike two not even telling anybody about this thing. Yeah. She says, shouldn't we tell the others? And she says, no, and that's when he's really, like, pushes against her. So we'll see if, I'm sure there'll be some friction between them two, and um, I'm interested to see that if it's done well. I'd like, there's always, that's always compelling to me when there's kind of, um, conflicting leadership or 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 you see different perspectives in one and on one side and and that yeah he seems to be or or how how the rest of her group feels about henry because as it stands it only she only really seems to be the one route yeah i wonder i'd like to see a couple of other people just like god kathleen's a bitch huh (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or Perry be like, well, like, did Henry? Did Henry? Do we really need to be focusing this much on Henry? You know. And I wonder if she really believes that Henry's behind Brian, or if she's just using that to get the people to rally behind her. You know, that might be. Yeah, I'm glad that you mentioned Brian because I kept forgetting to mention it earlier when when he first pulled up, or th- that scene when Kathleen's going outside. I was like, it, it clicked in my head immediately. I'm like, oh, that's her son. And I was starting to think, like, that's kind of cool. Like, 
a leader's son, you know, kind of the prince of this faction. Wow, yeah. He's dead now. Like, now fucking they're all going to be like Joel and, and him or or Henry. We're gonna, we have to kill him. Oh, yeah, you know? that probably would have been more. And and I was so confused when they're like, and, and even when she walked away, I still kind of thought maybe that was her kid and she just doesn't give a fuck. But it was so weird to me how how deliberate it felt with at least with the direction and the acting of Brian in the earlier scene, him mentioning yeah. his mom. Like, I, I know, like. It's kind of a trope where people, you know, cry for their moms when they're in a dire situation. But, like, the way in which he said it, and then to quickly be followed up by the scene with Kathleen coming up onto his dead body and the way it was staged, like you said, it wasn't covered or anything. Like, I figured, like, they're showing his face because they want her her to know, hey, your son just got popped. And I was like, I swear, when I saw that, I was like, that's kind of a cool idea. But then there was like, oh, shit, I guess it's... No, yeah. The only right? reason why I think they yeah. didn't do that is because Kathleen and Joel are gonna end up maybe having to work together. And if he had killed her yeah. son, it wouldn't th- th- that wouldn't be possible. That, I mean, that, I mean that yeah. that'd be the only thing in in the way for me as as someone putting together this. I would, yeah, that's much more compelling. But then, yeah, if you have if you have to connect Joel and Allie or bring them together for some reason then you can't do that, you know, because she would. Yeah, but she's, God, this is like a writing course now, but she still could have put the blame on Henry. She could have been like, Henry was always jealous of him, or they never got along, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. No, I'm saying if she realizes, or her and Joel do eventually meet, which I'm sure they will, and she realizes that it was Joel who killed Brian, they wouldn't be able to work together. And now that that possibility still exists, I kind of don't really want to, even know if I want to see that, you know, I think... It'd be more interesting if she was a foe, but um, I don't see that. I think that they're gonna have to end up working together somehow. I don't know. Um, especially considering the the threat of the infected yeah, bloater. Yeah, yeah, and they have I mean, all the supplies. I, I know we're kind of we're kind of skipping ahead, but I'm probably my guess. It's not. I'm not fucking saying it's for sure thing, but considering the writing of this episode, my guess is they're all gonna just combine, team up to fight the infected. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> yeah, we'll I don't see. know. We'll, we'll see in about. As soon as we wrap up here, we're going to flip on the episode. Um, yeah. We return to Joel and Allie. They they made it to that building that Allie had spotted out. We learned that it's 45 flights tall. Um, Joel lays out the plan. The plan is to spend the night, climb to the top, map the city, and get the fuck out of there. Um, she says, all the way to, to the top, and he's like, as far as I can make it. Uh, so, we, again, we see that stairs pose a bigger threat in this show than the infected so far, bro. That can mention of them, right? <laughs> huh? Tess mentioned it in yeah, the second Tess, episode Yeah, it's like too, the second mention. So Craig Mason, yeah. man, get 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 those knees looked at, man. <laughs> Need some cortisone <laughs> shots. Um, as they're walking up, the as they're walking up the stairs, I, um, people just hate stairs in general. Sorry to to veer, no. but like, people just hate stairs. No, like me, I I consider myself in shape, but stairs win me, bro. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like people, he, he, even people who are in shape still hate stairs, and so people who aren't in shape definitely oh, hate yeah. stairs. Um, I'll take the I'll take one or two flights if, uh, but more than three or four, nah. It's a good workout oh, it though. Is. It reminds me of hiking. I wouldn't say I like it, but I mean, it's an easy way to get a workout in. Yeah. <laughs> um. The stairmaster's a bitch too. That's like why. that's why it's like a stairmaster who can, who can you, you know go? run five six miles, but they can't last ten minutes on the stairmaster. It's weird. Yeah. Uh, 
I heard Toby one time mention something that he hates the Stairmaster. And he used this turn of phrase that we see only, I don't know, people around here use, he would say, I'd be on the Stairmaster and before you know it, before you know it, I'd be drenched in sweat or I'd be done or I'd be like falling off of it. But I just thought that before you know it is like kind of like a Santa Paula thing anyways. But it really is like an interesting interesting aspect of like kinesiology because Mm -hmm. sometimes you you'll hike for a shorter distance and you went for a run but you fucking burned like twice or three times the amount of calories. Yeah, it's about the intensity. Because incline, yeah, something about, you know, lifting your body and having each side of it support your body, like that shit just fucking burns calories, dude. Because I remember when I would go on hikes, like I'd be tired and stuff, but then I would look at my phone, I'm like, damn, I burned like 800 calories. You're recruiting recruiting more muscle groups, you're expending more, you're pulling energy from different places in your body. There's much more muscle groups that are activated and climbing stairs and walking or running so makes sense yeah. it's not like i'm baffled yeah. by it but it's just interesting yeah and, and and that would make sense i know i keep talking about the second game i'm gonna talk about it as often as i can whatever but everyone in the second game is like pretty good fucking shape and you're like it makes sense because like these fools have to hike and <laughs> run and everywhere especially ali like she's like yeah she's got that spartan not not really a spartan she looks like a like a Olympic swimmer Gymnast. or something in the second game. Yeah. yeah. So um, as they're going climbing up the stairs, uh, Joel or Ali asked Joel how did he, how he knew it was a trap, and she basically says, "I started this gangster shit, little one." Because <laughs> he says, "You know, I I I used to have to do that." So it looks like uh, it looks like the hunters stole his whole look or or stole the look or I don't know what, but they kind of yeah. Another interesting deviation from the game because when she asks him the same question, he doesn't even really hesitate. He's just honest with her. He's just like, "Yeah, like we, I did, like I did kill people. Like we did mm-hmm. what we had to do." It was like the early days or whatever. I forgot how he mentions it, but again, uh, Troy Baker fucking kills it. But like, yeah, he's like really, he's really mm-hmm. honest with her. You know, for as much as, and that's what's interesting, like the deviations because. Early on, he treat he treats her less like a kid. Early on in the game, as he does by the end. Whereas in the show, it kind of feels like it flip flops. Like especially in this episode, he talks and and reacts and, and and to her more like a kid. Whereas in the game, like he's pretty straight up with her and like. Especially after the moment where she shoots, because it happens uh, very differently in the game, but um, where she saves his life and by shooting the hunter, that part happens in the game, and he he uses it as a moment to entrust her. Like he doesn't take the gun away uh. in the game; he he lets her keep it, and then even not far not too long after that, they come across a rifle, and she and he's like, "You know how to shoot one of these things? Like, can you cover me?" So like she in he in the game he uses it more as an excuse to treat her as his equal and i find it interesting that in the game like by the end um he does kind of he treats like yeah i don't know um and and cory made this uh, double toast he made this comparison too in in so many words he was saying this version of joel is is a lot less yeah, ruthless. soft he called him soft yeah yeah, yeah. soft that's basically what he said well it he makes like, sense yeah, you have to endear soft. joel yeah. to the audience yeah. 
You have, yeah. you have to recruit the audience to care about him, so they have to soften him up a little bit. It's not a video game, so it makes sense. I'm, I don't. Yeah, and then they also have to tee it up. So like, I, I'm down with the approach that, you know, we're gonna see the soft side of him, you know, because we don't want to just throw you into his ugliness immediately. You know, we're gonna, we're gonna show you his soft side. We're gonna make you think that you know, oh, this this fool is soft compared to how he was in the game. But I would really enjoy that by the end of the season we do get those ruthless moments because those ruthless moments are well essential. we saw one this episode we didn't see it and they that was, that was a decision for them not to show it explicitly yeah because it might turn the audience off so yeah i, w- I wonder if they'll I, I i would bet that they aren't gonna do that that they want to keep joel in our we, they want to keep us on joel's side and and pushing him too far into like the anti-hero space what might might uh, disrupt that but we'll see he is a complex great character as you mentioned but yeah like a lot softer in the show than what i've heard about him in the game <clears throat> i guess the approach that they're making in this one and we saw it in the first episode is that he's really gonna go to, he's only gonna go to those ruthless depths if he has to when it comes to protecting his yeah. family right his idea of family and and we all know we could see the foundation that eventually he, you know ali's gonna be his idea of family so Hopefully we get those ruthless moments as it relates to their relationship. Because yeah. then that would make sense with this take on the character, yeah. right? So, yeah, so he, he yeah. kind of opens up to her, says, you know, they did what they had to survive. That's, again, like a little bit clunky, but I keep complaining about this, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I wonder what, 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 was role, what was Joel's role in that whole little scheme? I wonder if he was the, if he was the actor, if he was the one dropping the air conditioner on the car or what or if he was the one laying out the track well you remember that was one of the things i kind of i didn't spoil it for you but i mentioned before the show started is that that tommy and joel have that ugly history that they only really um kind of hint at in the game and i was really hoping to see their like this show kind of go deeper into that i still think there's hope for that it might um and it would be interesting because it would it would let you show, it would show how much. Um, and I mentioned earlier how how quickly Ali has softened him mm-hmm. up, you know. Yeah. So she we'll, basically we'll asks if he's ever killed innocent people. So again, like very direct, like, like very direct. Uh, and he pleads the fifth. He says, "says Let's just keep going." Uh, so that was like an, a a little bit clunky interaction, but it did the job. You understand what. You understand a little bit more about Joel's history, how he feels about it, how Allie feels about it. Um, they make it up to 33 floors. It's pretty good. Uh, but but uh, Joel is exhausted. He's like sitting on the floor. Allie tells him to get his ass up and he says he needs a minute. And Allie says, calls him a lazy ass. Very like Peloton and trainer energy vibe. Like she was like, keep pushing. Like, I don't know, reminding me of something like that. Like a personal trainer shouting in his face. And he's like, oh. Give me a break. I'm 56. You little shit. I like yeah, that part. I like her calling her. Yeah, yes. Like that's I said, this funny. was like the funniest episode, the lightest episode. Yeah. Uh, removed from all the Kathleen bullshit. <laughs> uh, so yeah. we see he's laying out a broken glass barrier. Um, Allie's like, what the hell are you doing? Again, they, like again, some, some telling and not showing, but whatever. I guess Allie isn't as sharp as we thought. And she wants to make sure he'll hear. So this hearing thing, is, it seems like it's going to play a pretty, pretty big part. And he says, of course, 
Oh, and this is actually when he tells her about why his hearing's bad. Um, and now the, the 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 tables have been turned a bit, where Joel is asking Allie about her past and what she meant. So he's curious. This is the first we've seen of this. He wants to know a little bit more. And Allie, ripping a page out of Joel's book, gives him the "I don't want to talk about it" uh, vibe, and he respects it. He 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 plays that card plenty of times. But I thought it was interesting to see that the tables turn a little bit um i don't know if i bought yeah, it completely like i don't know if joel would do that just yet or what but it seems like he's the guilt of the guilt of her having to shoot brian is weighing heavily more heavy on him than it is on ellie um i mean it probably gave him a sense of comfort too like maybe if i know nah, the yeah, whole story of, of of her her being a kid um susceptible and been who has been exposed to this like incredible violence it would kind of relieve me of my yeah, guilt it's like right? it's like so <laughs> this, is, this is kind of raunchy but sometimes there's a guilt associated with taking someone's virginity but then you later realize that they maybe they weren't a virgin and you'd feel less guilty <laughs> yeah yeah, like yeah exactly um again like joel goes on about her being a kid right and that kids shouldn't have to deal with this and this and that and <laughs> He really seems kind of hung up on this idea of, of her. Maybe because he sees Sarah and maybe he sees in a different world Sarah would have. I mean, he can't help but look at Allie, I'm sure, and think about Sarah. So I'm sure yeah. that's weighing heavy on him. But she asks him if it gets easier as you get older. And he says, no, you know, not really. Good point. So she says, she's like, exactly. So shut the fuck up. Let me. She's all, you know, I can deal with this shit. It, it is what it is, old man. Uh toughen up now she's basically telling him like you need to toughen up i don't know it's funny yeah um we get the 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 closing line of the one of the closing jokes final joke she asked him if, if a serious question is di- diarrhea hereditary and we discover that joel is a sucker for these poop and fart jokes you know there's some people who find that shit hilarious our sister being one of them like jasmine finds farts eternally funny like no matter what in any context the sound of a fart always gets jasmine me personally like does nothing for me i'm grossed out by it like shit humor that bridesmaids humor i mean that bridesmaids scene that scene is not funny to me it's disgusting <laughs> I don't know. it's it's context and time yeah yeah sure you. Like, cause like, we know we keep talking about poker face, that fart in there, that one was a good one. Wait, remind me. I mean, because, cause the setting, it was the Hong Kong oh, okay, episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that was funny. And she's just like, yeah, like it's the setting. She's in the bathroom, you know? So it's not like she's just fucking farting in the middle of That's a what happens conversation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That yeah. was funny. Um, yeah. That's what happens in here. So she said, oh, Van, again, I mentioned Van, but when Allie even had van fooled here because when she asks joel if diarrhea is hereditary van bought it he pulled out his phone looked it up because he started to panic a little bit he thought that this was a fact for a second that's how convincing Allie was in her setup of this joke that's <laughs> lying. <laughs> um so we see joel break for the first time he's losing it he says he's losing it he's losing it big time um really cute moment endearing moment really funny um Pedro plays it perfectly. You see him giggling, like you see that was full Pedro in uh, in full display there. And uh, they fall asleep. We get a little bit of a time skip, and we meet Henry and Sam. Um, we see that 
I like how Allie wakes up Joel. Joel! Joel! Um, kind of how we have to wake up Dad sometimes. I thought it was interesting that Henry had the gun on Allie and Sam had the gun on Joel. You know, like, why not put the bigger person on, you know, the adult on the adult and the child on the child? But it, it may, it's there. It's more dramatic thematically that Joel is hung up with this idea of, of ch- children not having to, you know, a shame that children have to go through this, that the loss of innocence, as I mentioned, or the, or just never having it in the first place, never even having a chance at it in the first place is it kind of, it weighs heavy on him. And uh, so, yeah, I guess it's more thematically compelling that it's Sam pointing the gun at him than, than Allie. Yeah. But, um, we end there. I thought it was cool, like really cool shot. That little boy, like, with pulling, pull, pull, uh, pulling his finger up to his mouth, I thought that he looked pretty badass. Yeah, that shot is um, tight. He has the superhero mask painted on his face. That shit looks. Yeah. That's a cool idea, dude. Um, yeah. Not from the game. Yeah. No. Nice, nice little touches and additions that they do here. Then, because I, because I really like that. And Joanna Robinson from the Prestige made this point that the episode is book ended with children pointing guns at the camera. So interesting. Yeah. Um, and that's the episode. Again, uh, uh, not you know, it's still a great show. I'm still locked in, but all the stuff with Kathleen, um, I I wasn't wasn't I don't think executed the as good as some of the other parts of the show and series have been up to this point. But still an effective episode. The first one we get a cliffhanger, very 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 much feels like the part one of two. We'll get the second part, and then we could judge this as a whole. Hopefully, we'll be singing a whole another tune next week when we're talking about the show and, um. But the introduction, as far as you only get one shot at introducing a character, right? And that's where I think they that's mm-hmm. why this is kind of a shame because that's so important the way you introduce and bring in a character to a story. I, I always pay attention. I know a lot of, I know creators put a lot of thought into how to introduce characters into a show. And not to say this was a terrible way, but um, they had a lot to do and, and it didn't all land. But overall, good episode. Not the best. Like I said, my least favorite of the four, probably. We'll see what part two says. We can go um, cover some of our favorites. Favorite moment. Oh, just all the Joel and Allie bonding stuff. I think that was the strength of the episode. Just them talking, whether it's joking around or opening up about their their histories. All that stuff was really great. Um, shout- yeah, the whole like first ten minutes. Everything before they get to Kansas City, aside from the the stupid magazine scene that I didn't like. Um, that was great. The camping. Everything was great, yeah. Camping, the travel, like them traveling. Yeah, the, when, he shows her, when he shows her how to hold the gun was a nice scene. Going up, all that stuff. Yeah. I think almost every single moment they shared together was, was really great. They have great chemistry. Yeah. Um, the coffee moment, that was probably one of my favorites. Um... MVP, I think this was Joel's first MVP of the season, which is weird because this is the fourth episode and this is the first time he's really been the central focus and really the one with the primary showcase and spotlight here. Um, um, As far as like my favorite bar, like I said, there were some clunkers. I thought he was great in the first episode. No, he's great, but I feel like that's Sarah's episode. Uh, Half of it at least. Yeah. Um, yeah, half of it. The first but, part. But, sure. but I walk away from that episode, him. or I came away from that episode with Sarah, thinking about Sarah. But yeah, he's great. I mean, he's great in every episode, but he had the most to do here. Him and him and Bella. Uh, my favorite line, my favorite bar. 
Like I said, there's a lot of clunkers. Like we mentioned them, you're just a kid. We did what we needed to survive. Uh, all these are the like not not great, but close. I can feel it. I'm losing. <laughs> that, that one's tough. Um, but I'm losing it. I love that line. I just thought. I wonder if that was improvised. It feels like it almost might have been because everything they just went through, everything they're going through, and the fact that he's laughing. I feel like that was Pedro in real time realizing this guy must be losing it if he's laughing after all this shit he's seen. So, so yeah, those are my favorites. What about you, bro? Uh, yeah, MVP Joel for sure. Um, favorite moment? Yeah, like I said, the whole first ten minutes, everything before they get to Kansas City. Uh, reiterating again, but aside from the game scene, I enjoyed. And even to clarify, like the the game, the game scene, it wasn't the scene itself wasn't bad, but in context of everything they just did in the previous episode, it kind of yeah, I didn't think of that. It's kind of, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's kind of making, like, f- because their whole reasoning, right, with with um, going into and changing the outcome of Bill was to, you know, have the opportunity to show a really compelling queer story. And for them to keep that, like, 2013-ass scene of, oh, yeah, this guy's gay. <laughs> yeah, good, great point, man. Like, I didn't really the fuck, think of you know? it, but yeah. Yeah, that's what, that's what made me mad, mm-hmm. you know? You're not mad. It just made me, and again, like I said earlier, compared to what they didn't pull from the game, that uh, kind of annoyed me even more. But yeah, Joel MVP, oh, fucking lines down. This one had a lot of bad lines. So. So scraping um, at the bottom of the barrel in this one. Yeah. Um. I, honestly, her her lines about the jokes because. Yeah, I know they're from the game, so it kind of seems like a cheap answer, but the way uh, Bella delivered them, I, it's 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 important to to point out here how much different, but in a good way. Her 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 take on Ali is a, is very oh. different. Like it's like the core of her character is still there, but yeah it's it's weird because like in the game ali she looks young or she looks younger but she acts older like she still acts like a kid from here and there whereas here she she looks older but she acts younger and more Mm -hmm. innocent Mm -hmm. i feel like but she still has that darkness to her so yeah like and it's i I point those things out not to say that bala's take on it is different i just i like her balance of it a little more i like that she's not afraid to be silly and Ali wasn't in the game either but she kind of goes a little more overboard with it and then she even says I think she says it at the beginning of the episode where she's like I just like annoying you or something mm, she says something about that I remember when they're when she's telling him about when she's telling him the jokes and then he's getting the gas out she mentions something about that she basically says she just yeah, likes yeah, to annoy She's him. like, I'm messing with yeah. you. I'm yeah, kidding yeah. with you. Yeah, yeah. Like, that she's... So, I like that she verbalizes that. Like, I'm just... I'm just fucking... <laughs> I, like, I like it. It's just yeah. making me laugh. You know? Like, she's not trying to make him laugh. She's just entertaining yeah. herself. No, you know? she delivers some of those so one-liners like really good. Burnt shit. Lazy yeah. ass. You're yeah. losing it. Yeah, she's good. Big time. Uh, she was great. But, yeah. yeah. All right. So, that's uh, that's the wrap-up. That's the breakdown. Um, thanks for hanging out with us. Couple of plugs we always mention. Uh, you know, emergency awesome and Ryan Ari over on Screen Crush and all the pods. 
Ringer, all the pods at the Ringer. My boy Dave Chen, check him out. Uh, anything else, bro, before we get out of here? No. All right, y'all. Come hang out uh, next week after we watch, ep- after we'll be covering episode five. Uh, remember your blessings and mind your business. Peace, gods. <laughs>